high desert in the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time of day it may be in all the prolific time zones circling the world. We cover them all with this program known as Coast to Coast AM. This would be the weekend edition of Sane. I'm Art Bell. How you doing? It's great to be here. It really is nice to be here. Looking forward to this all week long. We will have open lines this hour. And as a matter of fact, we're going to have open lines tomorrow night, all night long. And then later this hour, we're going to be talking about mass consciousness, which is one of my favorite subjects with Dr. Garland Landreth. We'll see what he has to say about the subject. But uh, it is one of the most intriguing... And I'm not even sure what to say about it. The power of the mind may be the ultimate power in the universe. Maybe that's true. All right, a little bit of news. NASA's Opportunity rover landed on Mars a little while ago, arriving at the Red Planet just three weeks, exactly three weeks, actually, after its identical twin set down. As you know, the, uh, the rover, uh, rover 1 is in recovery. I guess. They're saying they think they know what's wrong and they're on the track to fixing it and so forth. Meanwhile, its twin has landed. All is well, and the celebration and shouting went on at NASA, as you can imagine. So we'll get more, yet more pictures of Mars. And, and by the way, while I'm on the subject, I know that it's irresistibly tempting to take the photographs that are coming back from Mars and put... McDonald's and Walmart and little space beings and all kinds of things photoshopped into the Mars pictures. It's irresistible. But please stop. I've seen them all. Believe me, I've seen them all. And other than that, I'm still just seeing rocks. But that's me. Can't see in three dimensions or something, right? (laughs) Looks like rocks. Uh, looks like five more of our are dead in Iraq. A west of Baghdad, Iraqi insurgents, uh, separate bombings narrowly missing an American convoy in a blast that killed four Iraqis, wounded about 40 others north of the capital. It's not ours, theirs. Uh, but five dead. Bloody attack uh, occurred as UN uh, security experts began to study the possible return of UN international staff to play a key role in Iraq's transformation to democracy. Well, I don't know. Maybe the U.N. will go back. Is it any safer today, do you think, than when the U.N. said, hey, it's not safe, we're leaving? It would not appear so to me. Howard Dean uh, sharply questioned John Kerry's judgment on Iraq Saturday as Democratic presidential rivals raced through a final frozen weekend of campaigning up in New Hampshire. He said, quote, I would be deeply concerned about the kind of judgment in the White House, end quote, said Dean, the one-time frontrunner who did a screech uh, that has been heard around the world several times, as a matter of fact. Secretary of State Colin Powell, <laughs> I held out uh, the possibility Saturday be for the first time that uh, pre-war Iraq may not have had weapons of mass destruction after all. Powell was asked about weapons of mass destruction 
and about comments last week by David Kay, the outgoing leader of the uh, U.S. weapons search team in Iraq, that didn't believe Iraq had a large quantity of chemical or biological weapons. And let's see, what else have, oh, with luck, the world will escape the latest outbreak of bird flu with no more than the six human deaths already blamed on it and the loss of millions of chickens. But public health experts worry of a much greater disaster, a catastrophe, they say, is among the worst imaginable, a global outbreak of an entirely new form of human flu. There is no clear sign that will happen. Nevertheless, uh, bird influenza's sudden uh, sweep through Asia, along with its tendency for wholesale mutation, have left many wondering about the bug's potential for rampant spread among humans. It is a possibility the medical journal The Lancet, call, Lancet calls uh, massively frightening now. It is massively frightening. It really is. The fact that more and more species jumps appear. That, by the way, that was uh, the Associated Press that I just read you, the hourly news from the Associated Press. But just so you know where that came from, no scare stuff, just in the regular old five-minute summary. More and more species jumping going on. What do you make out of that? And out of this, what do you make? A security guard at BASF, uh, the chemical plant, was shot in the shoulder Saturday after he approached a suspicious truck and talked to a man who said that he had been taking pictures. The guard's name was not released, but Free, uh, Freeport Police said that he was doing well at a hospital following the Friday night shooting. The guard told police the gunman was a man described as a man of Middle Eastern descent with bushy hair and a mustache. The man was driving a white pickup with tinted windows and a black stripe. Now, the plant has a very, very large ammonia tank. And I, of course, they go on to say they have no indication here that it is terrorist-related, but... Boy, it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? And here's one that uh, you ought to catch up on. Remember the story? Do you remember the story about the uh, uh, the pilot who ran his plane into the Colorado Rockies? Nobody could figure out. Well, they still don't know. Air Force investigators have concluded, though, that Robert Craig Button whose A-10 jet mysteriously crashed in the Colorado Rockies after breaking away from formation during a training run in April, probably committed suicide. This uh, from CNN. They, they learned in a report due out Monday that military investigators are going to call the incident a case of spontaneous or unpremeditated suicide largely because they have ruled out any other explanation for the crash. That's interesting. Spontaneous or unpremeditated suicide, because you don't have any other answer. No evidence, but was uh, contemplating suicide. He didn't get his affairs in order or uh, report that he'd received a call, you know, from his significant other, that's not true. Turned out to be not true. No drugs, no alcohol involved. So I guess they're going to call it unpremeditated or spontaneous 
suicide. Strange stuff. Open lines coming up. Stay right where you are. All of you know the phone number, so grab a telephone and join in. Once again, the big news of the hour, of course, we are once again um, within the hour and a little more safely down on Mars. And uh, rover number one is in recovery, and things are looking good, according to the scientists. Anyway, once again, don't forget, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, we'll have a complete open line program, which means anything you want to talk about. But I'm always up for, as you know, when I do an open line show, I'm always up for special lines. So if you have something, some favorite subject that you would like to see, ruminated upon uh, at some depth, you might email me at one of my operative email addresses, artbell at mindspring.com or artbell at aol.com. That's A-R-T-B-E-L-L, lowercase, at AOL or Mindspring. Either one will get to me. So to the lines we go. East of the Rockies, you are on the air. Hello. Yes, sir. Hi. Uh, I'd like you to explain how the wonderful missions to Mars that succeed occur in the middle of your program. (laughs) Uh, usually conveniently about an hour before my program with the last Mars probe and this Mars probe I have no idea sir it's good timing Uh, I don't know could you get somebody to justify our space expenses by asteroid detection and expenses somebody like Lloyd's of London that has to reinsure some of this damage Mm -hmm. Um, well that's interesting Um, we of course, uh, we, we have a great danger uh, that is circling and circling and circling and in orbit and comes by the Earth every now and then. All of these rock-like objects, <laughs> rock-like objects, that's what they are, though, and uh, some of them bigger than others. We know, I think we know of about 10% of them. And about 90% uh, we don't know about. I think that's an appropriate figure. And, of course, without any warning whatsoever, one of these objects could strike the Earth, doing to us what was done to the dinosaurs. You imagine that in the blink of an eye. Just like that. No warning. It came out of the sun. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. This is Chris. Hey, Chris. Up in Fairbanks, Alaska, listening on AM 970 Kayak. Way up north. Yeah, it's actually warmer up here than the East Coast again. Is it really? Mm-hmm. How warm? One above. We are all of one above. Well, it was up to 10 today. <laughs> Shorts and T-shirt weather. Uh-huh. Yes. Now, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the mass consciousness experiments. Oh, oh yes. And I'd actually decided to set up a site to try and conduct these. I got an email address and everything for it. I was wondering if I could give that out on the air. Um, what? Uh, let's back up a little bit. Okay. Uh, what kind of mass consciousness experiments would you be conducting? Um, the FBI top ten most wanted list, for instance. If we could actually use mass consciousness to capture them, uh-huh. stuff like that. All right. Because those uh, are the only types. Right, well, let me really slow, let me slow you up here. All right. While that would seem a worthy um, goal, I mean, to catch bad guys and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I we don't know yet enough about this power, and it may be a very great power indeed, I, in my opinion, to go willy-nilly experimenting, no, no matter how laudable the, the cause may seem. Now, maybe I can have my mind changed on that, but we don't understand enough of this power and and or the way events work. For let, let me give you a what if, all right? Okay. Let's say that you had a mass consciousness experiment and so-and-so was captured. Mm-hmm. Well, suppose the way the cosmos really works is that as bad as that so-and-so was, he was going to do something that would end up, oh, God, who knows, you know, saving a president's life or something. I mean, I mean you're tampering with forces that you don't understand, and, and I don't. Well, if it's going to actually happen that way, then I think God would intervene in it. Oh, well, I don't know. There's this free will thing. And yeah. maybe, maybe part of it includes the use of a power like this. I, so my answer to you is that I would prefer not to be part of that kind of experiment until I know more. Well, the other thing I wanted to get a hold of, too, was people out there seem to have these weird coincidences that go on in their lives. Yeah. Uh, this one guy this week was talking about how he was planning to go to Gettysburg, and he was sorting mail from New York City, uh-huh. and all of a sudden his postcard slipped out with the Gettysburg picture on it. Mm, well... And I want to try and get a hold of some of those. It's not exactly an well. it's not exactly an uncommon thing. I mean, if you're sorting mail, Gettysburg is a pretty yeah. common pictorial site, right? So From New York City. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're sorting mail, uh, you're gonna. I, I mean, it's common on a postcard. Yeah, but the postcard came from New York City. What were they doing with the Gettysburg postcard? Don't we don't even have them up here. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I I know, uh, but no, I don't know. Um, there, there are. I mean, there are people say there are no such thing as coincidences. Well, yes, there are. <laughs> there are coincidences. I suppose you can use that phrase with a broad stroke uh, to try and impart some sort of meaning. But there are, in fact, coincidences. Things do happen that are coincidences. And uh, as our mind tries to make sense, for example, of misshapen. Objects on Mars that we see a little blurry, like the clouds, you know. Whoa, there's Uncle Fred. Look at that. Uh, you know, and, and it's the same sort of thing. We have Gettysburg on the mind, and we see Gettysburg, and we think, oh, paranormal occurrence. Well, maybe not. Maybe it is a coincidence. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. This is Chris from Colorado. Hey, Chris. Um, I love your show, and it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. A little nervous here. Um, um, something happened to me about 25 years ago, and I figured with your experience, maybe you can tell me what it was. Um, my sister and I, we grew up in Wisconsin, and um, one night um, we went to bed, and uh, our beds, we had twin beds, so they run parallel. I, I saw this green glowing object under my sister's bed. So the next morning I get up thinking it's some glow-in-the-dark ball or something uh, I love. All right, let me, let me stop you right there. Um, didn't you, what's your sister's name? My sister's name is Lynn. Lynn. Well, uh-huh. if you woke up in the middle of the night and saw a green glowing object under Lynn's bed, why didn't you say, Hey, Lynn, there's something glowing under your bed. I did. I did. Oh, you did. Yeah, I did. And at the time, in the beginning, we thought nothing of it. We thought, because we were kids in our early teens, we thought we'd left something there. So the next morning I get up and I go, look, there's nothing there. Well, the next night it's back. Mm. 
now I'm thinking I had an older brother. I thought, okay, he's playing a joke on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so once again, I tell him, stop it. We know you're doing something. Mm-hmm. He, he's like, he had nothing. He didn't know what we were talking about. Well, then the next night, it appears under my bed. Mm-hmm. And then the night after that, I see it under our desk. The night after that, my sister sees it under the dresser. And, of course, we're freaked out. You know, we're 13, 12 years old. And we're like, we're, you know, you get up and go look. I'm not getting up and going to look. Well, finally, it went on about a week, and I get up the courage, and I say to it, I say, okay, we see you. We know you're here. Go away. Leave us alone. And we never saw it again. Well, and let me tell you something. Young, pre-present, young ladies like yourself and your sister, stuff like that happens around them because they have all kinds of raging hormones and stuff, and they produce, no, don't laugh, it's it's very well documented, and they produce anomalous things like that around okay. them. So think about that. Could be. Okay. All right? Thanks, Art. Later. Wild card line. You would have been on the air. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello? Hello? Yes, hello. You're on the air. Surprise. Oh, I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. You don't have to be sorry. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm calling from Indiana. Yeah. Uh, 1070. Yes, sir. And uh, I've... I'm fairly new to the program, but I've noticed a lot of people call seeing things in uh, southern Indiana. And I'm going to be doing some gardening down there this summer, kind of in a secluded area. Yeah. And it's kind of worried me about the amount of people that call in from southern Indiana. And I was wondering, with your experience, if you know of any, like, UFO repellent or alien repellent or, you know, something just to put my mind at ease. Uh, well, yes, actually, we have a combination spray, alien um, and yeah. UFO repellent, uh, $19.95. And, Excellent. Uh, uh, absolute uh, results guaranteed or your money back uh, if, if, you, if you make it back. I mean, Right. Uh-huh. Well, I, I've noticed a lot of people call in from that area, and it's kind of got me freaked out because I'm going to be in some pretty secluded areas all it, summer. Yes, dark areas, gardening. Dark. Where, where things could come out of the bushes and from behind the trees, and you could be part of the ground before you know what hit you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, have a good summer. All right. All right. Take <laughs> care. Uh huh. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Oh, hi, Art. Uh, this is Edna. I'm in Montrose, California, which is near L.A. Hey, Edna. Hey. A um, couple things. Uh, first, you know, there's no Tesla Museum in the United States. Tesla Museum? That's you're, you're right. There isn't, is there? Uh, there's, the only museum I know about is in uh, what they used to call Yugoslavia, Serbia, in Belgrade. And there's nothing for... Now, why do you suppose that is? I don't know. He did most of his uh, uh, inventing or discovering of uh, inventions here in the U.S. Why do, why do you think that Tesla has not been appropriately recognized for his contributions? Uh, the powers that be... The uh, people trying to keep him out of the... Uh, Maybe his contribution was too big. Uh, that could be. <laughs> <laughs> that might be. And another important question, and, and <laughs> I've got to find out about this. Are we ever going to find out or get some uh, Art Bell and Ramona Bell pizza sauce? <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Uh, that's a very good question. Pizza punch, we called it. Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, I, I don't have the answer to that question. I still don't. I'm sorry. I don't. It's a, it's a long story, but uh, in Paris, we went to this very interesting little tiny um, 
restaurant run by an Italian on the outskirts of Paris, and he had this incredible sauce that we put on a cheese pizza there, and Ramona being very talented at discerning what's in a bottle, and he brought this bottle out with all these ingredients. You know, you could see them all floating in there, and oh my God, it was good on pizza. It was really good, and Ramona identified and then replicated, back-engineered, if you will, the pizza sauce when we got home. And she nailed it, I'll tell you right now, because I love that stuff. I love it. Uh, however, we have never divulged the contents, at least yet. From the high desert in the great American Southwest, this is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell, and we'll be accompanying you all night long. Sign up for Streamlink at www.coasttocoastam.com and you can hear tonight's show over and over and over. Here we go. at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from East of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From West of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5. And dialing toll free 800-893-0903. Top of the morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell, and we're rocking right now in open lines. So those are the numbers. Join us in the next hour. We're going to be talking about mass consciousness. As you know, one of the very last things that I explored in the uh, full-time show, and I continue to explore uh, throughout the time that I get to spend with you on weekends, I think, I think consciousness, mass consciousness, directed consciousness may be the most powerful force in the universe. We'll be right back. Right back into the nighttime, as it were, and all of you. 
Good evening. Uh, you're on the air, Coast to Coast AM, on the international line. Um, what is your name? Hello? 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 Yes. Oh, hi. Yes, it's you. Pardon? It's you. What is your first name? Kevin. Okay, Kevin, what's up? Okay, so I was, I was actually going to see if uh, your guest would uh, discuss symbolism at all. Well, I don't know. He's not here yet. Oh, he's not? No. Okay. Haven't you been listening? Pardon me? Haven't you been listening? Well, you usually tell us to turn off the radio. Just so I guess they well. turned it off too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, uh, if you have any thoughts on mass consciousness, which is what, what he'll be talking about when he does get here, you're welcome to express them. What do you think? Well, I guess uh, I guess my interest lies in programming and symbolism. As Pro- we grew up, we're uh, programming, programming and symbolism. Yeah, we're programmed through uh, you know our surroundings and people around us, etc. And uh, I find it interesting that as you get older, your your, your programming exists, and, and we're all programmed uh, sort of together with the same surroundings around us. And that's sort of I find that an interesting interesting uh, topic. And I wonder if well, maybe you could ask your guest about that. I, I will. It is interesting. I yeah, very interesting actually. We are all programmed uh, by our environment, right? By the things that happen to us, by the news that we see every day by the shared experiences we have, and this is, uh, has a fascinating impact on a society. I mean, potentially, think about it a little bit. In the old days, before mass communications, uh, we were still all shaped by our environment. But the difference uh, then, uh, now is that uh, our environment is so connected that we're all influenced by exactly the same things. We watch CNN or CNN International. We have the Internet where ideas are spread at the speed of light. We have so much interconnectivity uh, that um, our environment is so similar that, I don't know, how do you think that's affecting us? Do you think it actually might slow the process of evolution, for example? There are many who maintain that the process of evolution itself occurs because of large dramatic, traumatic events like rocks falling from the heavens, you know, and wiping out the dinosaurs and allowing man to come forth. That's what creates the leaps in evolution. Well, do you get those kinds of leaps when you have a homogenized world in touch with itself? I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, now now you're on the air. Hello. Yes, I may. Yes, Yes, sir. In Santa Maria, California. And your first name? Steve. Steve, okay. Long-time listeners, first time I called, obviously. Well, thank you. Um, For not abusing the first-time caller line. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Two things that kind of blend into one. Weapons of mass destruction. Yes. And the thing about uh, all the hoopla about can we afford to go to Mars and the moon. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe if we short... find the weapons of mass destruction, we, we can blow ourselves to the moon. That's true. <laughs> and, and my big question, which I hear nobody asking, is where are they? Not did he have them. Oh, no, they are, they are asking that. Well, they're asking both. Uh, did they, were they ever really there in the first place? And secondly, of course, where, where the hell are they? Well, unless he lied to the U.N. in his declaration that he had several are large amounts of, of several different types of anthrax included. They were there, and if we don't find them, then where are they? You're not accusing Saddam Hussein of lying, are you? Well, 
I'd accuse him of almost anything and go to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, for the first time, the administration seems to be leaning toward suggesting that even they are beginning to believe there may not have been any weapons of mass destruction. There was a new team taking over, and the old team said, uh, they weren't there. No way. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hello. Um, well, when I when I hear you talking to Richard C. Hoagland or Peter Davin, Richard C. Hoagland about Mars, Peter Davenport about about UFOs and so forth, I always wonder what the rest of the world is doing or thinking about this. For in, you know, the other the other industrialized nations, for instance. For instance, if if aliens really did crash at Roswell, yeah. uh, or if if in some other way we have we're we're back engineering stuff. Yes. Are the French back engineering stuff too? Are they having symposia and and talking about about UFO UFOs the way we are? Uh, and you know, and and the whole question of the militarization of space and and Richard C. Hoagland's theory that 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 perhaps the um, computer um, control of the rover was interfered with, you know, that it was um, the programming was taken over, and and also, you know, possibly Hubble's going to be blinded on purpose, so so nobody will be able to know what's going on. All this stuff. Ah, uh, the great wish... the great conspiracies. No, 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 no. I'm not necessarily saying there are conspiracies, but well, there are. But we should only, but we shouldn't only talk about what the thinking is and what's going on in this country is is what i'm trying to say and i don't know the french the french uh and you brought them up they're so self-centered they probably would think ufo's if they did land would only land in paris anyway so, <laughs> well uh, that could be i don't you know i don't know what other countries think thank you very much i i think that the chinese are probably we are the uh, you know what they're the reason that we're announcing we're going back to the moon uh, because now we have somebody to race with, right? The Chinese. They've said they're going to send men to the moon. So now we're in a race again. Sort. Go back to the moon. Can't let China beat us to the moon, even though we've already gone, according to the larger percentage of you out there anyway. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Happy New Year, Art. And you, sir. This is David from Bryan, Texas. All right. Welcome. And um, I had a couple of things. One was had to do with the uh, possible artifacts on Mars. Uh, okay. And I think that uh, there's a possibility that during Noah's flood, Mars was the planet that brought the ice to the Earth and almost hit it. And the oceans may have touched it, and the superior people of Noah's day had their own boats trying to survive the flood. Yeah. And uh, that may be the artifacts at the top of the seas that touched Mars. That were left behind. Well, you know, you really can't rule anything out. I mean, uh, we could be Martians. Well, I was thinking on the order of a uh, hundred mile tidal wave, you know, hundred mile high, mm-hmm. reaching like a teardrop toward Mars, the way mm-hmm. the moon pulls the tides. Hmm. If Mars came within about a hundred miles of the Earth, any ice on its surface would have been lost to the Earth. Well, it would have I, fragmentized. I, yeah, made I, the ice caps, which all came these across Texas, millions, ever since. millions of years ago, we, we we really have no way of knowing what happened, do we? We know a couple of things, or we think we know a couple of things. One that there is water on Mars now, probably subterranean. 
As a matter of fact, they found a Mars rock, I'll tell you about that tomorrow, here on Earth, that would seem to suggest also that indeed there was, and you know, there's minerals affected in a certain way by water, and they found that in a rock that they know somehow is from Mars. Now, don't ask me how they know the, the rock is from Mars, but so we, we, we think we know there was water there and there was air there. There's every probability with water and air that you might have life all those millions of years ago. And then the imagination, of course, goes to work. And we know that Mars got ruined. They lost what atmosphere they had. They lost the surface water. And there was some sort of catastrophic event. Could we be Martians? Yeah, could be. Buster the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, I heart. Hi. What is, what, are, what is your way of pizza sauce recipe that comes back a thousand fold or not? <laughs> I don't know. Could be a blessing or a curse karmically, huh? <laughs> yeah, you never know. Sure would like to hear it, though. I know. I know. Yeah, I heard the weird thing. I talked to a, to a technician from a vet lab yesterday. I had to put my singing Schnauzer Max asleep about a couple weeks ago, and someone oh, ended up with his caller, and the phone number was there, and I ended up hooking up with his technician, and... Uh, she said that uh, they had their first case of, case of a cat getting a heartworm. heartworm. More interesting than that was she said that there was a human case of heartworm. Heartworm in a human? Yeah, I've never, ever heard of that, and it supposedly fails. So you were talking about early diseases earlier. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, species jumpers. Right. Yeah, apparently that fits the, if it's true, but I don't understand why the hell she would make it up. Anyway, uh I thought maybe for an open line thing might be interesting. George laughed at me, but I was saying I've been seeing insects that uh, are mutated, you know. I mean, I've been catching them and, and so forth. And uh, another guy that's a teacher found some up here in Northern California, too, and he saw the same thing I saw, four-legged earwigs and eight-legged insects with head, thorax, and abdomen. Insects with eight legs. Anyway, I'd like to say hi to my old Dutch sailing friend, Big Al, too, and... Uh, all I'll right. you off the air. We'll that at uh, Big Owl there. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mutated insects, huh? Well, that would be a very bad sign. Very bad. Mutated insects. Worms. Who wants to hear about a worm? Can you imagine having a worm in your heart, sitting down in front of your doctor? I'm sorry, son. We just did an MRI, and there's a worm in there. <laughs> First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, I'm... Hello? Hello. 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 Shall we dance? Huh? You're on the air. Oh, okay. Oh, um, yes. But, um, um, yes? I'm like a kid, you know, and I have a lot of stuff to ask you. You what? You have a lot to ask me? I'm a, I'm a kid. Yes. I have some questions to ask you. Okay, fire away. Okay, the first, who was God before God? Who was God before You are a kid, aren't you? Yep. Who is God before God? Um, adults are asked these kinds of questions all the time. And uh, go out and play. You know, of, of course, I have no way of answering uh, such a question. I honestly don't. Sorry, there, there is no quip I can give you or a little tiny bit of wisdom that would satisfy you. I don't know. Okay, and no, but nobody knows. Okay, and um, do you know those shadow people? The, the shadow people, yes. Okay. 
Well, when I'm downstairs playing my game, nobody else is home. Um, I'm, like, looking at, like, my dresser, and I see, like, all kinds of shadows walk by, but nobody else is home. Is that one? Is that a shadow person? Yeah, in all likelihood it is. Shadow people are something that uh, came up and during my last year of full employment here. And the, whatever they are, they're real. Uh, these are beings that you see usually just in your peripheral vision, you know, just off in the corner of your vision, and they sort of flit by. Well, more and more people began seeing them not only in peripheral vision but straight on. And we just started calling them shadow people for lack of a better name because they appear like a shadow just here and gone, but definitely here. And that's the point. Here for a moment, here in some undetectable way, it is something. I, I don't know what, but it, it is something. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, hi, Art. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, I'll try and be brief. Okay. Uh, this past summer, I believe I was buzzed by one of those... Uh, Insect-sized surveillance planes that the government has been developing. In, and the reason I in, think this insect, is because, how small? I, how small? Uh, it was about ten feet away from me, so I would guess it was about. Uh, it looked kind of like a dragonfly, but it wasn't a dragonfly. It had a body that maybe about. So you think our government is building surveillance craft inside what would appear to be a big bug? I've I've read some articles about. Things like that. To, yeah, they're developing that to use, uh, supposedly, against our enemies. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty neat. <laughs> but I have a garden, and I see all kinds of bugs and birds and things, and it's like nothing I've, I've seen before. And it was too big to be a dragonfly, but that's probably what it most closely resembled. And I wanted to call in a couple of weeks ago when you had... You really, think it was a, you really think it was a government bug? I, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I could have misinterpreted what it was, but it didn't look natural. It didn't sound natural. It made a, it had a very mechanical kind of sound to it. It didn't sound like a, a bug buzzing. That's way cool. And I wanted to talk. I wanted to call in a few weeks ago when you had the robotics guy on, but I didn't have a chance. And so maybe the next time you have somebody who has expertise in that field, you I can ask guarantee him. you, I will ask. All right, I appreciate it. All right, take care. That's a what a concept. The government making bugs, innocent little or not so little bugs, like a drag, something about the size of a dragonfly to spy on Americans or our enemies. <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art. It's hey. Gary from Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes, sir. Hey, man. Uh, about five years ago, you played a, a show from this guy, Dr. Reed. Oh, had, yes, uh, Dr. Reed and his dog. His dog, yeah, the dog that got turned inside out by the aliens. Yes. Hey, if you ever go on vacation or something, you know. Would I gone, play that program again? And that was one of the best shows you ever did. I've been listening for about ten years, and I played that for some of the guys that I work with, and you know, they just couldn't believe it, you know. Well, um, after like we that. did that program, uh, there were many, 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 uh, internet investigations, and there are those who claim that they found uh, Dr. Reed or one of his associates, that it was uh, all bogus. But, you know, I had him on several times. And his story always remained consistent. And, of course, he had photographs. And it was, it remains, uh, to me, an intriguing story. And I don't know that it's all been busted as some sort of myth or put on or any of the rest of it. But I know there have been uh, investigations. Uh, a very, very interesting story. 
West of the Rockies, you are on the air. Hello. 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 Yes, hello. Hey, Art, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Turn your radio off and... and, hey, and no. All hey, right. No. Very good. You're in a truck, aren't you? Yes, sir, I am. I'm uh, right outside of a place called Los Hills in uh, uh, California here. All right. And uh, it's something I just got to tell you, Art. Uh, I phoned in one time and <clears throat> told it to uh, George. I don't know if he took me serious or not, but uh, I heard another guy call in on your show and said something similar, and this has been eating at me away. Uh, one time, it, it's got something to do about different dimensions. Yes. This is serious, Art. Now, yes. one time I just bought a brand-new car back in 88, and uh, I was fumbling with the radio and uh, and driving at the same time. I was on my way to the store. I just told my wife, baby, I'm going to run to the store. I'll be right back. Okay, now, while I was fumbling with that radio, I made a mistake, and I ran the red light. And the car coming the opposite way yes. passed right through me. Well, believe me when I tell you, uh, I've heard this from not just you, but many people. Exactly the same thing. And the only thing that I can offer up to you is maybe there is cosmic, some kind of cosmic um, reason for everything, and it wasn't your time. Yeah, but it's, an, it's something else to this here. Let me tell you what happened later. Very quickly. Okay, very quickly. Okay, uh, so I went on, and I never told nobody until I talked with Georgia about it uh, about five months ago. Yes. Okay, now, uh, back then, uh, before I, I, that car passed through me, it was a guy that I knew that had gotten killed. And uh, I just saw last week, this guy in the paper in the obituary saying that he had just died. And I know this guy got killed back in 88. Uh, I, I know I remember it vividly. So I, I was thinking of some kind of way I must have got knocked into another time uh, time zone or yeah. I mean, another dimension. Or yeah, I, I, I've got the picture. Well, that, that goes along with, like, the Nelson Mandela stuff. And as far as the car passing through you, buddy, it just wasn't your time. That's about all I can offer up. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell.
talk with Art Bell. Call the Wild Card Line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5. And dialing toll-free, 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It is indeed. By the way, the uh, webcam shot up there of me, I forgot to mention that in the first hour. That's, uh, I'm smiling like a big Cheshire cat. I'm actually in uh, in our RV and we're... I don't know, like 200 miles north of Las Vegas, and that picture was sent back to the the page by internet, uh, by a internet service that I have, uh, so that you know, I need internet in the coach, right? And we've got cameras in there, and so that was pretty cool. Well, we were about 200 miles from uh, north of Las Vegas when we took that photograph. Anyway, coming up in a moment, one of my favorite uh, topics of all time, uh, really, or current time anyway, is mass consciousness. And consciousness itself. And so Dr. Garland Landreth. He was the first to publish in a conservative, peer-reviewed scientific journal about how the thoughts of individuals can actually influence the outer world by reducing such variables as crime, automobile accidents, even suicides. His research found that within our minds, We have the ability to decrease these negative variables simply by our thoughts alone. His research has been published in numerous peer-reviewed scientific journals. He's also taught at uh, at numerous psychology classes at major universities and even at the Federal Penitentiary at Leavenworth. At his first opportunity, he traveled to the Far East and studied several years in China and India in an attempt to understand the meaning of this Life. Oh, I've got a good question for him then. During this time, he lived as a monk while studying with some great teachers. Dr. Landreth received his master's in social psychology at the University of Kansas and later achieved his Ph.D. in psychology. He has had thousands of individual and group training sessions that have helped clients become more attuned with their intuition and achieve a greater ability to listen to their own inner wisdom. In a moment, Dr. Landreth. And now, Dr. Garland Landreth. Doctor, welcome to the program. Great being here, Art. Is this your first time? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, Well, glad to have you, and particularly on... This topic, um, just before we plunge into everything here, um, I thought I would ask you, certainly with your background, um, uh, who was God before God? (laughs) Great one. (laughs) Who was God before God? Yeah. Now, that one is an interesting one. Let me think about that. I'm not sure I can give you an answer to that one right at the moment. We'll let you meditate. I think I probably need a long time to meditate on that one. All right. I think God always, if there... What we probably term as a god has probably always been there. It is existence itself. But um, we'll we'll be getting into that in a roundabout way. It's very hard to contemplate always been there. 
Always been there. Always been there. Well, always how can that been be? There. Yeah. It's a kind of a difficult concept. Can't get your mind around that. <laughs> All right. Well, in the meantime, let's begin at the beginning here. Before we even talk about this whole thing at large, I want to talk about what consciousness. Uh, what have you determined, Doctor? Consciousness is. If we were to define it, you know, come up with a Webster's thing. What is it? I think you know this is a great question. Great thinkers have actually been debating this one for thousands of years. Mm. And I think one question that can be related to this is why we have the ability to reflect about ourselves at all. I mean, it's kind of amazing that we have this experience to be able to have the experience of being in an experience, if you know what I'm saying. Are, are, you, are you saying then that uh, the ability to reflect on one's own existence constitutes a part of consciousness or a component of it? Yes, and it's just being in the experience itself, the fact that we're aware of it. And um, because, you know, when you think about it from a Darwinian point of view, it's not a, very adaptable. I mean, do, you know. do, do cats and dogs then, uh, by extension, have um, that ability, or can you, not, can, can you rule it out? Well, you know, that's, that's a great question, and it's actually in the past uh, 10 years, or I would say about 20 years ago, People did not, most scientists did not think that cats and dogs had the ability to self-reflect. But recent research has been finding that, indeed, cats and dogs probably do have a self-awareness. Yeah, I think Maybe so. Maybe not as developed as ours, but they definitely have a self-awareness. I think they do, too. I mean, uh, they're so, quite amazing creatures, actually. Uh, well, indeed, they are. You have to be very close to one, one or the other, or some animal, to, to know I, I'm not limiting it to cats and dogs, either. I think no, animals no, have... Exactly. A concept of self-awareness. So that's part of the human consciousness, uh, the ability to reflect on our own existence, and, and I suppose even beyond. That's maybe part of it, but there's got to be more. Yeah, there's a lot more. And, you know, because most Western scientists have considered consciousness simply to be a byproduct of brain material. And, very, and you know, Pence has very little relevance. The research that you've been doing with mass consciousness things and the things that I've been involved with and others, many others um, have demonstrated that consciousness is far more than just a byproduct of brain matter. I, I, I believe so, Doctor. And you and I are probably going to run into a brick wall somewhere along here because, you know, in reading what I read at the beginning of the program, you're, um, you're advocating, if I, if I have this right, um, you're advocating the use of this power to decrease the negative variables uh, that, that might be out there, like suicidal people, that sort of thing, um, with this power. Is that... Now, yes and no. Yes um, and no. I'm saying that this is, this is an interesting one because you're bringing up a, a very in-depth kind of discussion here at the very beginning. Um, I would say that when you have when you have more of that creative, positive force being stimulated, then those things go naturally down. It's not that you go out and you can, although you have demonstrated that you can, you can, you can do it by your intention alone, but this also can be done in another way, through uh, reducing the creative forces of energy, I mean increasing the creative forces of energy. And it's a little bit different than intention. But we can probably, I mean... It's, well, how is it different? Well, because, okay, let me give you some examples. There's some studies that have been done on group consciousness. Dr. Um, Dean Radden, have you, you've, you've had him as your guest, right? I've had Dean on the air, of course. In one study he did, um, 
and I was going to go into this later, but we might as well start on it no, now. No, let's just pretty... rock the way it goes. So. Yeah, exactly. The um, um, he had a uh, uh, series of experiments where they were actually looking at machines, random generating machines, but these were actually quantum machines. Yes. And people could intend to to change the behavior of those random generators. Now, a random generator is something like a like a, uh, a zero or a one. It either mm -hmm. produces a zero or a one. That's right. Well, these machines are very sophisticated uh, on a quantum level, and they actually, you know, over time, over you know a short period of time, they will come up with almost fifty percent zeros and fifty percent ones. I mean, exactly to them, you know, to them out. Random number right, generators. Exactly. Yes. And um, when you have the intention to change these machines, then you can change them with more ones or more zeros. Now, yes. granted, the re you know, the effect is rather small, but it's very consistent and it's been replicated thousands of times. Hmm. And um, this, another thing that he was measuring was the group consciousness effect of large groups attending to, to you know, huge events, like the Olympic ceremonies, for instance. And the Olympic ceremonies, um, there was, I think it was one in 1996. Right. They weren't attending to these machines. They were attending to the Olympic ceremonies. And so, but what's interesting, these machines were in place, and so they would tend to be less random during the Olympic ceremonies. Now, what's really oh. intriguing is during the commercials, they went back to being random. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, really? so the, it's quite fascinating. But, again, they weren't trying to make the machines less random. And maybe that kind of explains what we were talking about. In some of the meditation studies that we have done, the reduction in crime rates were done as a byproduct of the meditation. The meditators did not even know they were participating in that kind of experiment. Hmm. Um, I've, I, got, I've got a little software program uh, called Shape Tech that was put out for a while. It's no longer available, uh -huh. uh, to the best of my understanding. Um, but uh, it was put out by Parent Inc., and it gave you an opportunity to... Um, on your computer, drag down a, the picture of your choice. For example, I can drag a globe down on the left, and I can drag random white noise down on the right. And then uh, it's called chaos. And on the other, you've got a picture of Earth. And then once you start the program running, your job is to make either the Earth uh, appear solidly or the random noise appear solidly, whichever you choose. And then it will time you and rate you. And uh, this is a very, very interesting program, and I found, I found in pretty scary results with it, uh, Doctor. I can sit here and I can force, on average, 70 to 80 percent of the time, I'm, I'm a winner. Now, That's amazing. It, well, as a controlled experiment, the other thing you can do is to start the program running and just go into the other room and have a cup of coffee. Or just go into the other room and don't do anything, and you come back, and then the percentage falls down to way, way down. And so right. it's, it's obviously working. It actually works. You can affect a machine this way. There's no doubt about it. You can do it. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing what's going on out there. Well, okay. Can you explain the process that allows the physical manipulation through the air without any energy transfers that we understand yes exactly it, it, it's, a, it's modern physics at least the regular you know physics that we think of not the quantum level physics cannot explain it because when you look mm -hmm. at the brain 
the brain has very low voltage emissions. Yeah. I mean, you have to use sophisticated machines just to even measure brain waves. Well, let us add, at frequencies we're capable of det- <laughs> true. Det- Very true. <laughs> detecting right now. Now, uh, there may be um, uh, some sort of radiation occurring at a, in a spectrum that we don't have a hint about yet. Well, we've, we've been measuring stuff at a very, very, you know, physics has got even electron microscopes where we can look at electrons, you know, and everything like that. So, yeah. of course, our sophistication in brain technology is not nearly as advanced as they are in physics. Not nearly. But we have now MRIs and we have uh, PET scans and we have stuff we didn't have 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, some of those things are starting to, to, to get really, you know, sophisticated. But what, uh, the, the question is, what kind of energy is it? I think it's a quantum field. Um, and in that regard... A quantum field. All yeah. right. Can you break that down in a, in in a way that the average person can understand it? What 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 is a quantum field? Well, in in uh, let me just start from the beginning here. Um, let's see. You you I think your audience might be familiar with some of the research that's been done. So I can kind of jump ahead like this. But um, we've you know the main thing is. Some of the research has found that we can know events before they actually happen in normal time and space. Mm-hmm. And this research is very consistent and very remarkable. I know for a fact there's been 50 studies done on it in different laboratories all across the world. I absolutely believe it, yes. One of the research studies, for instance, found that um, if you have a negative photograph and you're going to be presented with that negative photograph and you have also a positive photograph, the study was actually looking at how we react before the photographs were presented to us. And so what they did is they randomly presented us with these two photographs, a, a real negative, gruesome photograph, like a photograph of somebody in a morgue, yes. and then a very nice, pleasant photograph. Yes. And uh, lo and behold, they were using GSR machines, which are similar to a lie detector. They measure anxiety by measuring the, the skin conductance in your skin. You sure. And they found that these people knew... What was going to happen before it was actually going to happen? By their body's reaction. In other words, the body would give off this anxiety about two or three seconds before the actual negative picture was there, but it not, did not have the same anxiety before the positive picture. God, you know, that's, that's remarkably like the experiments with the, uh, I think it was heads of lettuce or plants um, that, uh, that knew the... You remember the experiment down in, I think, San Diego or California somewhere? Um, a scientist uh, would come in with a big knife and would slice a plant in half, and then he'd leave the room. And then a bunch of other guys in white coats would come in, and they had every machine in the world hooked up to the plants, and the other guys in white coats, they plants didn't sweat, no problem. But when the guy who had assassinated the plant earlier came in, right. the, all the monitors went berserk. Now... Come on, plants. <laughs> Beautiful. I love that study. But it's true. No, it, it's there is some amazing things going on. And the study I just mentioned has been done. Well, there's another variation on it too. They did another one with EEGs, actually an MRI. Excuse me. And they've had they had you know because they were so dumbfounded by these results in this in this particular laboratory, you know, laboratory. They did it in another laboratory, replicated the same results, and not only that, they used an MRI. And they found not only was, did this happen, did we know two seconds beforehand, 
We also knew four seconds with an MRI. So, the, so we actually know things before they're going to happen. That's remarkable. And, uh, and it, it, it says all kinds of things about the nature of time. Boy, does it say a lot about... It, you got it. it now was, we're starting to talk about quantum. <laughs> um, well, I assume that, that a quantum field exists uh, not in linear time as we understand it, but out across time, in the present, in the past, in the future, it just is everywhere... Yes, and that's, and that's beautifully put. I think they have done some experiments that have blown the scientists' minds, to put it literally and figuratively. Yeah. Um, and what they found is that, for instance, they, they were trying to study electrons for many years. And they kept trying to measure these electrons, and they kept getting, you know, disparate results. So what they did was they finally said, well, let's just try to shoot this atom right into a screen. Well, let's not try to measure it. And let's see what we find, where this electron is and how fast it's moving. Yes. So they kind of shot it into this screen, yes. and they found out something intriguing, something incredible. What? The electron was not located in time and space. It was located everywhere in time and space. So it was showed up on all over the screen, everywhere. <laughs> oh, 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 really? Yes, exactly. It was not more than... It, in other words... Now, it how, how did they actually measure the fact that it was everywhere. I mean, how uh, I need to understand more about this. Well, it's, this it's was remarkable. Like, let's, let me give an example. Now, this is being a poor example, but this may be easy for everybody to visualize. Normally, in what you have is an atom. And let's say it's taken like, uh, and then you have like a electron or two running around that atom. Let's just take a simple right. one with a one atom and one electron. Right. So what you have is they've been trying. They use you know very sophisticated machinery to try to measure the movements and, the, and where this atom is. Of course. I mean, the electron is, not the atom. And they've been able to, to document where it was. Now, here's something even more far out, and I don't know well, how Okay, far but it. what I didn't get is how they document well, it's everywhere. Well, because they didn't measure it. Because what happened was, when you try to measure it, the electron appears. When you don't try to measure it, the, the electron is everywhere at once. And that is the best way I can explain it. It completely <laughs> boggles the mind. I, it does. It, it's a, the experiment. When I read about it, I was so intrigued. And you know what? I would say maybe one person in a thousand even knows about the experiment. But that experiment tells us a lot about what's happening with the other experiments on people that we just talked about. Um, they have labeled this in physics. What do they call that? They called it... Um, um, let's see here, where they call it, I forgot the name of the name, but a uh, quantum, let's see, it's called, I'm trying to remember here, uh, quantum, quantum, huh? it's quantum superimposition, in other words, it can be in many places at the same time. Quantum superimposition. Super yeah, it uh, means it can be in all places at once, which yeah. means it breaks every time-space boundary that we know about matter. Yes. Which uh, is what we're starting to see in consciousness. What you've been doing, what you've been doing with your experiments, is what, in a sense demonstrating that something is going on here. What I stumbled into. <laughs> Did uh, now this has been going on for I don't know, a couple of years maybe, or more. A couple of years. Well, no, a little more than that. And um, what I stumbled into was, to me. Uh, a little bit frightening, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, totally intriguing, you know, and I went stumbling into it like a kid, kind of. 
hardly thinking about it. And then I began to think about it. When I really began to think about it, it scared me. And I, I, I don't blame you. And I backed up from it uh, uh, quite quickly. And in fact, uh, I quickly had Dean Radin on the air. I'll, I'll get into all of this when we come back. We've got to take a break, Doctor. It's the bottom of the hour from the high desert. In the middle of the night, we're discussing consciousness and now mass-directed consciousness. The very thing we've experimented with quite some number of times on this very program. Stay right where you are. at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from East of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From West of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5. And dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. You know, I really have no idea how this experimental thing started on the program, but I will relate a little bit of it to you in a moment. We'll review it, what we did, and maybe what we should do or won't do or... I don't know. Anyway, we'll tell you about the experiments in a moment. Let's face it. We deal in things on this program that are, you know, at the fringe. They're at the edge. There's no question about it. That's what we do here. That's what we're all about. And so maybe it was a natural thing. Uh, for this to fall into the hands of a talk show host doing a program on this kind of material. 
whatever it was, uh, you know, whether it was remote influencing that we were discussing or whether it was um, the study at Princeton that came up. I think that came up a little later, though. And, and whatever it was that we were doing at the time, I decided foolishly, um, you know, as a talk show, I thought, hey, I've got millions of people out there. What happens if I have them concentrate on getting something massive done? Hey, let's try to produce rain. And there was a, uh, you know, there was a, a drought going on in Florida, one down in Texas, I think, one up in the northwest in Canada. And I said, let's play with making rain. And so uh, every couple of weeks or so, for a while, I had millions of people actually take a devoted moment out and concentrate on making rain in a place where there was a forecast for no rain, where they were suffering. And I'll be damned if it didn't rain. And I mean within the hour it rained. No clouds. It, it Clouds formed. It rained. I swear to you it happened. Some of you were here. You know it happened. We went to work for some people who had hopeless diagnosis. It worked. They recovered. It did incredible things. Nine, ten, eleven times. I forget how many experiments we did. But then I began thinking about what I was doing. And people began writing to me, suggesting we alter the path of hurricanes away from the coast, a noble goal, you know, that kind of thing. But then I thought, eventually, doctor, I thought, you know what? I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And while it might be fun to direct consciousness toward pushing a hurricane off coast, maybe we'd succeed. And maybe it would build up to a Category 5 and kill thousands of people when it finally did come ashore. I thought... The law of unintended consequences. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe that was some little wisdom creeping in. I had Dean Radin on the show. I asked Dean, Dean, I'm feeling not comfortable with continuing with this until I understand it. He agreed. Smart move, Art. Uh, Don't play with it until you know what you're playing with. And, uh, of course, then, you know, Doctor, it it might be worthwhile for you to explain the people at Princeton who are doing these experiments that I began hearing about and that Dean Radin told me about are not happy about them becoming public at all. And the reason, Doctor, they're not happy is because the mere fact of the public knowing they're going on, they're afraid will foul their scientific results. I understand that fear. Uh, but maybe you can explain, uh, you might as well, uh, at least in some, uh, to some uh, extent, what they've done at Princeton. Well, the, the, the stuff at Princeton, I think I get, kind of gave you a brief synopsis of it, but um, it's one of the most exciting kinds of research that has been done. Um, what they're doing is they're showing that groups of individuals, when they are c- kind of focusing on one event can actually change the the behavior of machines. Oh yes, but 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 Princeton. When, when I say Princeton, the experiment in which they have what they call eggs located okay. located all over the world, right? Right, right. Okay, an egg is what the Global Consciousness Project. The um, the uh, the eggs are those particular machines. They're called. They're actually. Uh, let's see, what is it called? It's a um, it's well, a quant. Quantum random generator. Yeah, they're, they're computers, right? Right. Okay, they're computers and they're located all over the world. I understand. I, last I read, there was about 55 of them. 55, really? Yeah, and they have them all over in different parts of the country. And what they're doing is they're just monitoring the randomness of these machines 
in while at the same time they're monitoring the uh, current events that are going on. Okay. In other words, folks, uh, these machines are spitting out, as he suggested earlier, ones and zeros, random ones and zeros, zero, 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 one, 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 zero, zero, one, zero, one, zero, whatever, random. That's what the computer's job is, and so they monitor this all around the world, these eggs, and they all report back to Princeton, and then they also watch world events like 9-11. And, of course, what startled me and the world, uh, Doctor, was when they produced the graph showing us 9-11. Right. And uh, sometime before the actual event itself, there was a spike that went right up off the chart. Right. Actually, before the event. Yes, before the event. It was amazing. It was amazing. And um, I tried to get somebody from the project itself on the air, but again, they don't really want to talk about it publicly because it might skew what they're doing, the results of what they're doing. But we're on to something really Really, really big here. So big that it's caused me pause. Now, how do you, how do you feel about the fact that I've, I've paused? Again, I think it's... I have kind of mixed feelings about it. I'm mm-hmm. kind of more, more pro doing it than you are. <laughs> might, you might be. I can tell. But I, I do understand your hesitancy, and I think there is, in some ways, I don't think if it were... Here's, here's the angle on this that I would take. And it's probably different than other people you might have talked to about before. I think in order for you to actually be able to do it, you have to be contacting some source of law of nature that would allow it to happen. I don't think you can actually violate too many laws of nature mm-hmm. by allowing it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there's a, there's a caveat here. I think in order to actually gain the powers of the, of the mind, so to speak, you have to kind of surrender and to surrender means we surrender that part of us that would be destructive to, to gain union with the creative aspect of but, nature. But, but how do you know what can and can't be done? Since we don't understand the real uh, enough of the nature of this, or maybe I'm right. talking to somebody who does understand enough of this, but, but how do we know what can and can't be done? How do we know that we can't give somebody a heart attack? How do we know that we can't kill someone with it? How do we know that we yeah. can't cause a catastrophic um, ecological event, or, or, or for, for all I know, we are causing one. Well, I think we're already we're already on that road. If your book is to be believed, which I think we should, we're already going to be doing it, whether we do something with our consciousness or not. So, <laughs> I think. Uh, but your point is a good one. Your point is a very good one. I think what what we do, what the, the, a lot of the meditation groups do, is they try to put the mind in a place where the mind is completely positive. And that involves, again, talking about consciousness. Um, and in a sense, you know, we started talking about consciousness. But one thing I didn't mention was I think that the all of the, when, in other words, this is, this is a long, long conversation here because really mm-hmm. what, what I was going to say is the consciousness has several different elements to it. We normally think of consciousness. We think of consciousness of something. Okay, I'm watching something. I'm seeing something, I'm feeling something, but there is something else that's, a, that's an aspect of consciousness, and that is pure consciousness. It's different than even self-reflection. Um, and that pure consciousness is what I think is the basis for all the mystical experience. No matter what Describe what you mean to me by pure consciousness. Well, if I look at you or I, if I think about you or I feel something towards you, mm-hmm. it's consciousness that has 
an element involved with it. Yes. Pure consciousness is consciousness without any elements. It's just, in other words, in order to have consciousness of something, you have to first have consciousness, the potential of consciousness. Now, so you, it's pure consciousness. You, you sort of just lost me a little bit. Um, Maybe. I, I understand uh, that I could be thinking of you. I'm conscious of you. Right. Uh, but then there could be times when I have absolutely no input when I'm lying in bed, my eyes are closed, uh, my consciousness still races until I finally achieve sleep, and I think I'm, I'm aware of all kinds of things, right? With, without being aware of anything specific, I'm, I'm just aware of all kinds of things. Let me ask you a question. When you were having that experience, did you ever have the experience where you might think that you were asleep, but then you realized you were awake? You kind of got a gap in there. Um, there, there are it's usually a fairly common experience. People, when they think about it, they've had that experience before. Uh, well, I've had a lot of experiences when, in that let's call it twilight zone between wakefulness right. and sleep, I've had some remarkable things and happen. Exactly. Now we're talking. This is what I'm talking about, where the the boundaries start to disappear. And we start to have what we call pure consciousness. I've solved problems that were insoluble exactly. in that little flash. Uh -huh experience. Exactly. There is a field down there where you can get messages where you can kind of feel connected with everything in the universe. And that field is what, what is termed in, um, and I think that field, well, well, you know, kind of, I've kind of defined it as pure consciousness. But that field is, was what I think is the basis for all the mystical experiences. Um, you have studied uh, in India, I believe, correct? Right. And uh, you, you lived a life of, uh, you were a monk for a while. Yes, I was. I actually even went to the Episcopal <laughs> Monastery in New York for a little while. What, uh, have, you think, have you seen um, people capable of great concentration and meditation do things that are inexplicable with their minds? Yes. And I have seen it not only with that, but also with some of the research that we've done. Um, I have not seen anybody. Uh, I have seen people, for instance, that could tell exactly if we had a, a coin in one hand, and a, you know, they would get it 100%. Hmm. I mean, without any, and just similar to what, I mean, even better than 80%, which you were getting with your machines, they can do it 100. Um, they usually don't use that power for gain. But they have that power, if you know what I'm saying. They would never do it as a as a side trick. But we were testing it out just for people that would um, that would uh, to see what you know what what the cap capacities were. You see, I have a hard time grasping the concept that this power, which I do believe is real, can only be used for good, which I know is uh, or, or gain. Uh, why shouldn't you be able to use it for gain? If it's a power, then it's just a power, like right. like any other, ultimately, and its its direction uh, uh, determines whether it's you know whether it's used for good or evil. I mean, it's just a power. Do you do you buy into that, or do you believe that? Oh, it can only be used for for, for good. <laughs> and those those people who develop that uh, develop it only use never would use it for gain. I love the way you use those expressions in your voice. Well, they tell a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, listen, you're making brilliant points. Um, well, I don't know if I am. I'm, I'm just. I'm, I, I, here's what I think. I think there are rules, laws of nature, and I think we can contact these laws of nature. 
And I think that our powers increase. The more we surrender to these laws of nature, our powers also increase. Ultimately, what you're asking me is, why is there destructive forces and why are there creative forces? And how can we kind of differentiate between the two? Well, I think I'm more asking you uh, this force that we both believe to be real. I, I, I think it can probably be directed uh, e either way, for good or I mean, good is uh, subjective, right. really, and, and, and or bad, and that's subjective, too. It de might depend on which end of the, uh, um, the mind knife you're on. I don't know. Well, I, I think there's law, rules, laws of nature. If you violate the laws of nature, you kind of produce karma, and it comes back, and it kind of, if you use it for bad ends, yes, it's true. Uh, I mean, I think you can do it, um, theoretically, but I think in order to really capture the the, the laws of nature and to use it, you have to kind of surrender to it. And that surrender means you're going to be doing far more good than bad. Do you realize that you sound a whole lot like a witch? Well, that... <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. I mean, they believe that uh, certainly in this power, they may word it a different way, right. but they believe in, the, in, in karma and in, for example, if there are negative projections made that it is returned so, some number of times to you, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think there's some truth to that, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wouldn't put myself in that category. Well, maybe but... we're simply beginning to scientifically underscore witchcraft as the real McCoy. <laughs> I, have you thought of, ever thought of it that way? You know what? I think that from what I've read about witchcraft, and I, I've only known one or two people that have been witches, they don't seem that dissimilar to where I'm at. Well, that's right. Um, that doesn't mean, but I kind of have a scientific side to myself, <laughs> but I have proven this stuff many, many times. But also I, I feel that, that my position is very similar to those in, in the India and, and, um, and uh, China. Well, I would concede, for example, that people who uh, create enough discipline and you know, do a great deal of meditation and turn inward and do a great deal of inner reflection and trying to attain higher mental states, that as a general rule, these people are going to uh, be in touch with probably what is, what is what is right, cosmically right. You know, you don't kill your neighbor. Exactly. Ten Commandments kind of right, universal or, or natural or nature type of right. So, you know, they're going to be better doers than most, but not all. In other words, I still think that power goes both ways. I, I would I would again agree with you, but I think in order to get more of it, you have to surrender to it. And then in order to surrender to it, mm -hmm. that I mean, I have dealt with so many people that are not aware of their psychic abilities. And this research tells us, now that's one other interesting point we didn't make. Guess how many people in those studies we talked about knew which of those photographs were going to be negative or positive? How many? None. But their bodies told, if they could listen to their body, their bodies could tell them exactly what's going their on. Their bodies were telling them. In other words, they, they, the old phrase? What were they my, doing? They, my they, gut? they were measuring, like, the amount of sweat and the, the breathing exactly. and all did, the rest they of it, like a lie detector. experiment, too. Kind of like a laboratory to even verify as far out as this stuff goes. But there's another whole group of them. What did the MRIs find? The MRIs found it's even faster. It's, it's, they had they knew four seconds before the thing was going well, to be. In, in other words, on the MRI, they're seeing some part of the brain become exactly. a light up be beforehand. Light up, in essence, huh? It, it, that's the way it looks on an MRI. It looks like it lights boy. up a certain part. Boy, oh boy! You, you've got it, and and you, your questions are incredible. I think I've got some answers for you, but it's going to take me a little while to get to them.
Well, that's why we have ra- radio. We're not bound like television. You see. <laughs> we have lo- lots of time. We can do well, that. You know, let me ask you, let me say another thing. You know, some of the research I found that automobile accidents go down. I think your show has decreased automobile accidents, too. Huh. People stay awake listening to your show while they're driving. Well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. The, uh, I know one time I was sitting there in a hotel trying to check into my room, and it was like 3 in the morning, and I couldn't get away because it was such a fascinating guest. So I thought to myself, man, I was cursing you under my breath. Well, <laughs> you see, as you're, if you're on the road, like all the guys who drive 18-wheelers, they'll tell you uh, music is okay for a while, but after a while, music almost can become like the dotted white line and, and has a, a way of sort of hypnotizing you, uh, where talk radio, for example, is intellectually stimulating and constantly changing, and so that does keep you alert at a level that who the heck knows. It might save your life. You might be awake enough to uh, be alert enough to avoid an accident that otherwise would have taken you out. Think about how much good karma you've produced for yourself, Art. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of that's possible, I suppose. Um, all right, well, I know that there have been a lot of interesting studies that I want to know about. For example, they've done studies in war zones, right? Yes, um, this is really fascinating. Um, the um, I was going to bring up another study which was related to the other one I meant I mentioned about the... Well, okay, ho- hold it right there. Actually, we're at the top of the hour, so we'll, we'll just uh, hang everybody up here. But there have been some very interesting studies done in war zones, I guess, about people knowing what's about to come down. Uh, So isn't that interesting? Just before an event, an MRI now can look at your brain. And before the event, before the event occurs, your brain lights up like a 100-watt light bulb. Just like that. Because your brain, even if you consciously are not aware of the fact that it's coming... Your brain knows it's coming, and if you learn how to listen to that signal, well, well. What kind of mix? Talk with Art Bell. Call the Wildcard Line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast, 
and worldwide on the Internet. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. That would be me. Dr. Garland Landreth is here, and we're talking about mass consciousness. Well, what consciousness is in the first place, and then mask, and then directed mass consciousness. And in a moment, uh, we had a caller in the first hour who asked a really good question about the process of evolution. I think I'll spring that on the good doctor. We'll be right back. <laughs> so here's one. Uh, doctor, uh, welcome back. Thanks. Uh, another hour in front of us here. Here's one for you. Um, when we talk about consciousness and mass consciousness, now, now let's factor in, oh, I don't know, let's take tonight's, uh, last night's now, according in this time zone event, um, the, uh, the second little machine landed on Mars. Second little robot, right? Right. Well, there was a time in the world not very long ago when we didn't have telephones we didn't have radio and television we didn't have the internet we didn't have all the gazillions of things now that let us all know and join in with the celebration at nasa as this thing lands successfully on mars we didn't have that um we had a world where you know a guy on a horse would take news from one place to another and people didn't know about things simultaneously at exactly the same instant large world events like that for example when we land something successfully on mars so if there is this consciousness and this power then there surely must be a gigantic influence on it by the mass media and by the communications the world has now i think that's a brilliant point well, it was an interesting point. But you know what? I will say one thing. That kind of, I think, there the communication was there before. If you look at the history of of humanity, usually people were discovering things at the same time. For instance, like the telephone. Yes. Uh, the True. Uh, I think Bell discovered it, but if he hadn't discovered it, somebody else would have that, actually finished right. the work and discovered it within a year. That that's things right, seem yes. to happen around the same time. They certainly do. And I think that's an indication of the collective consciousness, which is something I'm not sure anybody's ever brought that idea up on your show or not. Well, even though I'm with you all the way, people too really do tend to make discoveries at about the same time and have uh, insights at about the same literal moment almost. But, um, uh, but, but again, there's got to be some influence of shared instant information. If, I think I agree with you. Yeah, if the, consci- point. If the consciousness um, is that collective and that instant and that uh, across time in every direction, then the impact of information instantly upon that many consciousnesses uh, has got to do something. I mean... Maybe that many people thinking about the Mars rover collected some software back into a condition that people at JPL could direct it again. I don't know. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. Well, I, I don't it. know. <laughs> that is great. That is a brilliant idea. Maybe. You know, and it's not so far-fetched no. because people were worried about it. Yeah. Um, I think that the collective consciousness, here's, a, here's another analogy we can use for this. And this is the, because these concepts are hard to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's look at, instead of looking at us as being separate from each other, let's look at us as being, like, let's look at this whole universe as being one huge ocean. Mm -hmm. And instead of us being separate, we are separate in a way, 
but we're joined together, like we're like little separate waves, but we're joined together by the ocean. And this ocean then is what they call pure consciousness. Now, if oh. you look at physics, quantum physics, what we see around us is all separate. But when you look at quantum physics, it's not separate. We're all joined together. You see the analogy? Yes. And so here in maybe an answer for, for a lot of your questions, because your questions are brilliant, and they are not easy to answer in 25 words or less. <laughs> All right. But the research is out there, and you cannot dispute the research. Well, actually, a lot of people are disputing the research, but it's just too big, and things are happening too much, and too many different research people, everything from the prayer research to the meditation research to the people from Princeton, and they're all separate, and they're all doing amazing things incredible discoveries well what is prayer it's uh, it's just directed consciousness beautiful that's all it is it's directed consciousness uh, and I know that a lot of people would probably get angry at me for that uh, <laughs> but they're, they're directing it at God and that's fine it's still directed and that's what it is so um, it's part of it I, and the, the word is almost interchangeable I mean pray for rain huh listen um, there was something about war zones. What, what do we know um, from war about uh, any of this? Well, the, the war experiment started as a result of the, the research that, uh, we, that I did on crimes and, and automobile accidents and things like that. And um, they, firstly, they wanted to know why this research, why this was even happening. So we did another study. Now, this one, you'll love this one. We did, uh, we had, there was a course going on in Amherst, Massachusetts. And the purpose of this study was to see whether people meditating 1,500 miles away could influence the brain waves in a laboratory. Yes. In other words, the brain. Yes. Um, and those weak brain waves um, that we talked about earlier. And uh, so when they were doing their meditations in Amherst, Massachusetts, we were measuring the brain waves of people in Iowa. And finding. And they actually became more similar during the time when the people in Amherst were meditating. Now, here's an interesting point <laughs> I like, need to tell you. It's like quantum entanglement. <laughs> exactly, quantum entanglement. Yeah. Things far away, well, that's, that's a, you got that one right. You must have heard about that one. Um, the uh, quantum entanglement is where, well, maybe I better not go back to that one until I finish up the one. Sure, go ahead. But uh, the, um, so... What happened was, now this was a complete deception study. We didn't tell the people in Amherst to direct their thoughts to the people in Iowa. Mm -hmm. We didn't tell the people in Iowa there was even a course going on up there. Wow. So because we wanted to find out if, because we were getting these, these, these amazing results with, with 1% of the population meditating, the reduction in crime rates. But see, the, before this all happened... Well, what did you tell the people who had the electrodes attached up to them? Oh, we, I mean... we, we gave them a, 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 a basically deception study. And that's ethical, by the way. We uh, gave them a deception study, told them we were studying something else. <laughs> and that way there would be no interference with the thought. See, the same thing that the Princeton people were worried about is you, what we're worried were, about when we yes, do our research. Of course. Because you don't want people to positively think that something is going to happen because that influences what's going to happen. You know, I don't want to blow it for Princeton or for you or for anybody else's experiment, but I can't rule this topic out as something not to talk about. It's too big. It is too big, and I think what your show is doing now. See, there's different levels to this whole thing. We keep going back and forth to this thing of the collective consciousness. But what your show is doing is, we've been talking about this. We've been putting this stuff out. This stuff has been published. 1981. Who heard of it? 
you have done an amazing job of changing the collective conscious, getting people to believe hmm. that what they think matters. And you have your show has expanded everybody's consciousness in this world. It's had a huge impact. And people can't get, I mean, look at, look at how many uh, shows now are out there on talk radio mm-hmm. that weren't there a long time ago. Instead of sitting here and listening to, you know, stuff about politics all the time, we're now able to listen to other things. I mean, this, this is incredible. The consciousness is changing, of, you know, and, and you're, you were, you know, a pioneer in this. I, I hope some of it. Uh, it's been amazing, and it is amazing, and it's still something that um, I, I actually have, it's a, I guess I have a sense of wonderment about it and awe about it. I really do. I mean, it's, it's just an amazing thing, and we're kind of on the edge of this and just beginning to learn, just beginning to learn what this is all about. But I have a feeling at the end of this road, I've said it on the air a whole bunch of times, it, it could turn out to be the most powerful force in the universe. Uh, it is the universe. It is the universe creative force. Yes. And... and for instance, now we measured those things in the laboratory. The, you know, we did the deception experiment, so nobody knew about it. We got this published in the International Journal of Neuroscience in 1982. And how, how many people knew about it? And it's, how it's was a it received? Perfect psychic experiment. Nobody yeah. knew about it. How was it received? The 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 are the, the people at the journal, the journal editors, and also the you know was peer reviewed because in order to get in one of those journals, you have to get reviewed by some conservative psychologist, you know, conservative scientist. Certainly. They said it was the best designed EEG study they'd ever seen. They couldn't throw it out <laughs> <laughs> because we had deceptive. I did the research part of it, and I was just one cog and four or five, you know, four or five other people are working with me, and uh, I didn't know what data I was work- looking at. I didn't know whether the person was. Was I was looking at a person that was uh, in uh, where he was in the particular study. So because you have to do it that way in order to make sure that there's no experimental bias, especially with something like this, because everybody's going to try to tear it apart. And, and, and yet, you see, this could be the answer for so much that science can't explain and tends to laugh at. Uh, people who claim psychic abilities and foreknowledge and... Um, all kinds of things that people do experience and science, you know, just laughs away at. Oh, well, this may explain a lot of that. Yes, exactly. Beautifully put. The, there is so many mysteries, and yet it's funny that the, the scientists are oftentimes the ones that are the least open. I talk to so many people about psychic stuff, and uh, people don't believe it. And they don't even, but they haven't heard of anywhere the near the research, like the research on staring. Here's another great one. Sure. Have you heard about this one? Go. The uh, there, this this has been done in 37 different studies. Okay, this is not a small event. Uh, of course, staring itself, people think most people, you know, think that they have the ability to know when somebody's staring at them. I think they did some studies on, you know, just on surveys on this. People know seem to think that they know when people are staring at them. But no one's ever done any research on it. So they started doing a whole bunch of research on it. Well, you feel it, of course, right? Exactly. Well, some of the other research we talked about earlier with the, with the negative photographs. And, uh, but in this one... I mean, but how could you possibly, uh, for example, feel somebody behind you or at a great distance behind you out of your line of sight um, and know or feel, have an intuitive wave of feeling that you're being stared at? That is the ultimate question. And I think we've got some answers. <laughs> yes, really. 
Uh, yes, I think I do. Okay. I'm, a, I'm not saying I'm responsible for the answers, but I think I can articulate them tonight. I'm listening. Um, anyway, but the experiment found um, that, and they did this pretty interestingly, too. They, they had a person in a separate room, so they weren't even in the same room. So okay. there was a huge wall between them and distance, and then they were looking at a television monitor. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so there was not any real direct, and I think that might have, if they had been in a real room, it would have been even higher, uh, higher, you know, results. Yeah, well, this is even a greater control, though, so fine. Yes, right. exactly. It is a great, beautifully put, because then you don't have any interference with uh, other factors. Right. Um, and so, and the, what they found was that... Um, when they were staring at the television, they, you know, this would be random. So in other words, the television would come on and off, and the television would be either the person would be staring at the television, and then um, the person who was being stared at would try to guess when he was being stared at. Hmm. So and this would be random. Sometimes it'd be on for like thirty seconds, another time for a minute, and then they'd wait for five minutes, and then wait for three minutes. You know, who knows what would come up? Right. They found a small but very significant effect on with. I think it was done in 30-some-odd times in about 16 different laboratories. Now, the effect was small, I mean, but it was still significant. It wasn't a huge effect. But here's the other thing they did. Again, that somebody had the brilliant idea, let's find out what the EEGs tell us. Excuse me, the GSRs. You know, getting back to the old GSR machines, like the lie detector, again, we talked about earlier. Yes. And, they, and so they hooked them up so that their bodies can tell better what the... Uh, you know, what's happening rather than, you know, just trying to guess. And when they hooked them up to GSR machines, again, the results went off the roof. Like one chance in 10,000 or something like this. Incredible. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Have you ever heard the expression, uh, you walk into a room, you say, my ears are burning, you feel like someone's talking about you? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, you know, it's, it's probably true. It's probably true, yes. It's, well, I was, you know, like what you were saying about 80% of the time you're hitting your hits when you do your show. I, I would imagine 80% of the time it's true. Yes. Those uh, kind of results are what we're getting. And so we know the, these things. At least our brain knows these things. Now, what do you think it takes, uh, backing up a little bit, for a person to become attuned with when part of his brain is lighting up over something that's about to occur? I mean, it's something that could save your life if you could learn to develop it. Right. Uh, so how do you how do you discipline yourself mentally to begin to listen to this? Brilliant question. That is the what is it the eighty four is it sixty four thousand dollar question? Yeah. <laughs> I think the only way that you can do this because I think that there's a part of the brain, what I call the well actually not what I call but I mean what a lot you know what, what is termed a reptilian part of the brain, and this is a protection mechanism that is built into our brain. In other words, our brains are wired for protection. But unfortunately, the brains, by protecting ourselves, also tend to close off these, the ability to experience these things that, that we've been talking about. So the trick is to rewire the brain, change the way the brain actually perceives things, which gets us back again to the pure consciousness idea we talked about in the first hour. And... Um, because if you look about it, you think about it, you know, there's some commonalities with the, with the uh, mystical experience or the experience that we've been talking about, and that's that, that the, the person isn't aware. To become aware, you have to be open. You have to open up. And this process of opening up sometimes is very difficult for people to do. So they have to be able to have the mind quiet. And that shuts down those defensive mechanisms that are innate inside of us. 
And we live, we live in a world uh, today where that's not so easy to do. I mean, there's input from everything. Cell phones ring, computers go off. Uh, a gazillion different things occur to us. Uh, noise, noise level is very high indeed. So how do you get the noise level down to the point where you can see the little spike that you're looking for that means something to you? I think the only way to do it is through prayer or meditation, self-hypnosis, something along those lines. Coupled with nutrition. Nutrition? Yes. There is some whole bunch of new research out there now that we can actually create new brain cells. Ten years ago, they thought that you could not create new brain cells. But once we're wired with, you know, whatever, whatever dysfunctional family life we had when we were kids, that's it. We're stuck. And then all we got left to do is watch as they slowly die as we get older. That's not the case. And most of us didn't have the right nutrients when we were kids. You can grow new brain cells. You're right. This is incredible new research. Just been out in the last couple, three years. Probably spinach. (laughs) What what is it that you can eat that will grow new brain cells for you? (laughs) Well, you know, lots of vegetables definitely help because there's lots of phytochemicals in there that are important. But But really what brain cells are made of is fat. Oh, oh, fat. Yeah. Well, then a lot of people are... Uh, they're, they're going on this fatless diet, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, then, going on a diet, you would think you'd be killing off the brain cells. There are special kinds of fats. They're called log-chain fatty acids, omega-6s, 3s, and 9. I see. Uh, so the fattest people are not necessarily the smartest. <laughs> okay. We got... Well, and, and these things, it's really interesting. They're found in breast milk of moms. Breast milk? Yes, but they aren't found in all the, what do you call it, the uh, baby formulas. Except I think they, I just add one now. The FDA finally approved one. So all of us that didn't get breastfed and all of us that used those baby formulas never got all those brain-growing nutrients because they're not usually in our diet. Well, we, I, I think we all know that breastfeeding confers upon the infant uh, special immunities, or at least that's the old wives' tale. And I don't think it's such an old wives' tale. There's truth to it, isn't there? It gives immunities and natural things that we're meant to have? Oh, there's a whole bunch of new research on that, too. Uh, it's awesome stuff. The field of nutrition has grown incredibly. And I, in fact, as a matter of fact, you can change everything through nutrition. I can show you, a, I can put a person on a diet and get them out of depression just simply by having them. Actually, and usually 80% of the time, if they just add more vegetables to their diet, they'll get out of the depression. Really? Um, yeah, it's amazing. I find most vegetables depressing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem right there. <laughs> Not all mine, but the majority well, of Well, actually, what I have people do that are like that is I have them go get a vegetable juice cocktail, and I have them put a, uh, an apple in it so it tastes a little bit like apple juice, and they get all their stuff in one drink, and then they can eat whatever they want. <laughs> really? Okay. So we don't have to consume lima beans or something truly ugly to uh, grow new brain cells. Okay, uh, hold on, we're at the bottom of the hour. That's interesting. Uh, that's first person's ever told me you can actually grow new brain cells and it figures it would be vegetables, doesn't it? Or maybe that special drink. From the high desert in the middle of the night, when we think about things like this, mass consciousness, this is Coast to Coast AM.
to talk with Art Bell, call the Wild Card Line at area code 775-727-1295. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Way out on the edge with Dr. Garland Landreth, but you know what? Not only is this out on the edge, I think it's also right on the mark. There's something to all this. The power of consciousness, single, collective, and we'll discuss that aspect of it. Uh, both singly and collective, it's an incredible power. Lactation for IQ. Hmm. All righty. Um, here we are once again, Doctor. Um, a lot of avenues I want to go down. I know you did an investigation into crime and automobile accidents. Uh, what kind of investigation in those areas did you do? Well, the, um, what we did, the first study that I did actually was in 1976, and we looked at um, the population of the, we took a bunch of cities, and we found out the, the uh, crimes. And the crime, of course, is crime rates are, are reported to the FBI yes. on an annual basis. Yes. So as soon as the city hit the 1% level of meditators, the crime rates dropped dramatically. Now, when I first huh. started doing this, I thought I would have to do some kind of intricate, you know, statistical analysis to actually make this work. It didn't. It was so clear and simple and dramatic, it blew me away. So we waited a few more years. We looked at these same cities over a 12-year period because we were afraid it was just an artifact. You know, you, whenever you look at things, it's always better to look at long, longer term. Than of just course, what it, yes. So we, got, we eventually got this study published in the, in the uh, Journal of Crime and Justice. But uh, it was a 12-year period. They control cities and the regular 1% cities. As soon as it acted the same until the 1% hit, hit, he's got about 1% of the population meditating. And then they dropped dramatically in crime. Huh. And they stayed that way over six years following that event. So it wasn't, and meanwhile, the other cities, the controls went up in crime. Oh, that's just absolutely bizarre. It is bizarre, but you know what? No one can fault the research because we didn't collect the data. The data was collected by the police people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. There's no experiment of bias in any of these studies. And, and it's really funny because people are trying to criticize it all the time, and they, they fall on their face because there's really no criticism. And automobile accidents. What well, I love that one. I, I expanded it to automobiles and suicides, again, because they're collected on a regular basis in the same way by police departments. So it, it gets the experiment of bias out of the equation so people can't criticize. That's right. You're working from stats. Okay. Yeah. See, that's just it. And, and the beautiful part about this is these are real-life experiments, not laboratory experiments. Now, what's interesting is in psychology, what, is, what has been found is that people, when they're in a lab experiment, don't behave normally. So... Since most psychological experiments are done in labs, there's a, there's a whole group of, of scientists that say that maybe all these psychological studies could be thrown out because no. people aren't behaving like they normally would in the real life. Well, I'm sure that's correct. 
Okay, but as it relates to automobile accidents, what kind of stats did you go and look for? Those were ones just with um, the actual, act, not deaths, but just everything in general. And they were over $500 because we figured that small, little, minor accidents can't really count. And also, they usually don't count them in the same category. And some cities, for instance, would have a separate category for that. And they All don't right, always... But again, I, I don't understand exactly what you looked at. Oh, we looked at the same cities, those same... Uh, group of cities that we looked at with crimes, we extended them to automobile uh-huh. accidents and suicides because the uh, because it was easier to that and way we don't because first of all we so wait a minute you're telling me you found fewer automobile accidents in right. those in those states right you found fewer suicides in right <sighs> and this is a twelve year period we're not talking about a one year aberration right 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 six years before and six years after. So as a result of this, they started doing some experiments to see if this was, you know, take groups of meditators to certain places and see if we could actually change the crime rates, change the quality of life in the areas. Right. And now what's amazing is, see, these, this original experiment was done with people who didn't even know they were participating in an experiment. Like we talked about with Dr. Radin, he doesn't like people to know what's going on because that way it's more pure. Yes, of course. These original studies, they didn't even know that they were in an experiment. They didn't even know that this, they were participating. They were just meditating. God, the uh, implications of this are incredible, just absolutely incredible. I mean, I, I, if, it, if it can be proven uh, statistically to work, then um, I can see governments sponsoring a- actions of this kind. Well, that's exactly what the, people, the transcendental meditation people tried to do. They tried to get the government to sponsor it because they said, we can reduce your crimes. As a matter of fact, they even did a demonstration project in Washington, D.C. Oh? This is amazing. Because nobody was believing the research. And so who and when? They took 6,000 meditators, transcendental meditators. Yes. And they brought them into Washington, D.C. in 1993. It's right after Clinton got in office. Yes. And I think they, they got in, they had... Four different major universities or five different major universities who were involved with the methodology, so it was completely out of the research, was completely out of the meditators' hands. And they, uh, but they predicted they were going to reduce the crime while they, they were there. They were there for six weeks, and they reduced the crime by over 20%. And the reason they chose Washington, D.C. is because, first of all, it had a high crime rate. This should be um, gigantic news. Oh, you're right, but you know what? It took, I think they finally got it published in 1999. They kept criticizing. They said, well, there was a heat wave when it happened, and so therefore the research wasn't, you know, was kind of was an aberration. Ah. And so what they did is they went back, the researchers went back and um, um, looked at every year if they had the same high temperature. They had to go back 20 years. But even so, you would think a heat wave, if anything, would contribute to more crime. And that's what they found, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so they were trying, you know, but we finally got the thing published. Uh, the the uh, people in charge of the Washington D.C. Police Department were also involved with this. The mayor of Washington D.C. was involved with this. We had <laughs> we, had, we had notified the press, and uh, so it was as good an experiment as you can do. It's also done in real life, not in the laboratory. But I mean, with all of this under our belt, and you've documented quite a bit here, this should add up to a oh gosh, one of the networks is going to go do a big story on this because there's a lot to tell. Well, here we go back to the collective consciousness, and I think this is where you're coming in, 
because people were not finding it acceptable. Look at all the studies done on prayer research, and they've been criticizing that. Only in the last two or three years have they really, really started to accept it. Started to turn around and recognize the validity of it. I mean, how can you ignore the kind of numbers that they've produced? And that's just it. Well, they were criticizing the studies. Here's you know, of course, about all the studies, uh, and they're blind, too. In other words, they would they would pray for one person with um, a critical illness and not, not pray for someone else and uh, do this again and again and again. And with incredible high percentages, the, the people who were prayed for got, got well at a, uh, or lived right. um, at an incredibly higher rate. Now, all of this has deep and important meaning. I mean, taken huge, together... Huge, huge. huge yeah, huge. Put. That's right. And so, um, where is the media? Now, scientists have begun to embrace this information to some degree, but it really should be more in front of the public right now so that there's more done with it. I, I think the thing that I want, the reason I wanted to come on your show was to really, really hit people with some of these research studies and show them how powerful these research studies are because I really want people to know that by thinking that we can make a difference in this world. I think that this world has gotten so destructive, and I think you pointed it out in your book really eloquently, but in terms of nature. But I think we have a severe crisis coming on to our own self. We're creating with all this negativity. I have certainly considered, um, I mean, for example, I've had a string of shows, uh, Doctor, where I've had uh, Hopi Elders on. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, I love that show. I, I, ha- I was transfixed by that. I happened to hear that when I You really have it, been like... a listener. All right. Uh, so they have predicted some pretty dire things, and I've had silent moments of reflection when I've wondered uh, if putting this sort of thing in the mass consciousness, in the minds of millions of people, that there's dire prophecy, right. that something terrible could happen to the earth. What that does, uh, when you put that out there, does that, is that like lighting a fuse? <laughs> Beautiful. Well, is or it? Or the other option is, can we do something about it? Or, or can you, yeah, can you prevent? Well, I think that, first of all, if we look at the mind as a quantum field, in other words, it has no boundaries in time and space. And I, I believe that's fair. In other words, as we hear about quantum science, I've had quite, quite a few theoretical physicists on. They suggest that ultimately uh, a quantum computer, for example, might extract information from adjacent dimensions. It might look across time, as we're talking about the mind doing, um, and it might actually extract information like a giant Google of the cosmos or something right? Um, and be able to give you answers uh, that you would not otherwise get when we get to quantum computers. And, of course, then we'll have other issues like artificial intelligence and machine consciousness. That's one to work on. Right. Talk about. Have you considered that? <laughs> Well, that's a, that's a, I think that would be another whole topic, but you know, I think there's some truth to it. I don't think, I think consciousness is everywhere. I think the universe is consciousness. And like I was saying with this analogy of the ocean, and we're just like little waves on the ocean. But I think the same way it goes with quantum field theory. The, the ocean in this sense is the quantum field. And then what we see is those individual waves. We don't see the ocean, but the inner, but there is a, there is a, Interaction between the, the you know between the mind 
and also with, in other words, there's very similar parallels between these two analogies. In the, okay, take the Washington experiment that you talked right. about. There, there were thousands involved in the experiment, right. correct? So that, that would clearly indicate that somebody believes that um, the power of many minds with directed uh, intent uh, would be more powerful than a single mind, yes? Exactly. That's exactly the whole thought. Um, also, whether the mind is quiet or not, because the more quiet the mind is, the more mm -hmm. powerful the mind is. Mm -hmm. If there's anxiety in the mind, it doesn't have the same kind of effect than if it, and the mind is very quiet. Um, and that's why we think that we're getting such huge effects with small numbers of meditators. For instance, in, a, in one of uh, Dean Radden's studies, he actually looked at a group of meditators. So he, had, he has these machines running all the time. Right. So he went back and we, we were saying, okay, we just had a course. It was after um, September 11th, I believe. Oh, hold a second. It was after September 11th. It was after one of those things. Um, but it was long enough afterwards the machines had gotten back to randomness again. I think it was after September 11th they had a course to kind of quiet the consciousness of, of, uh, of the United States. The theory is, that that's what the TM group says, is that when you have lots of negative thoughts, yes. it has an influence on the destructive element of creation. Okay? There's two elements to the creation. There's the destructive and the, and the creative. When there's an imbalance, you meditate. You don't even have to direct your thoughts. You, all you have to do is meditate, sit in that quietness, it stimulates the creative element of, of helps create more balance between the two. That's the theory, but you know, that's how they talk about it. So what they were doing is they were just having a course of about 1,600 people. Well, they got similar results with that 1,600 people meditating in one spot as they did when one billion people were watching the uh, O.J. Simpson trial mm -hmm. on the machines. So in other words, when they have a billion people watching a trial you got these machines, you know, going crazy, you know, producing uh, non-random events. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they got these similar kind of experience. So I'm saying when you can reduce the, make the mind quieter, you can not only pick up on those cues that we were talking about before in many of those research studies, but also we have a, an effect on the environment. The environment becomes more conducive to, to reducing tensions. And they, the theory is that tensions create war. And this war also creates environmental problems. In other words, if you get more tension in the world, it creates more environmental imbalances. And that's kind of basically what the Hopis were saying, too, when they were talking about it. But they used a little bit different language. Uh, they did. Uh, but their message ultimately was pretty negative. Uh, they were suggesting that it's already too late. The events unfolding are underway. I, I, I would disagree with that. Well, um, you might, but but that, that's what they said. Yeah, no, and I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I love what they had to say, but I would disagree that that it's it's inevitable, uh, because I think that the if the mind is quantum, means it can do anything it wants to do at any time. Time and space have real no meaning, so we can we can kind of circumvent this whole problem if we can somehow get enough people doing the same thing at the same time, in support of the laws of nature. Now, that's the caveat there. That's the tricky part. Are we so sure we understand the laws of nature? Again, <laughs> I mean, you can sit there and right, say... Right, right, right. No, that's a good question. That's a, that's a very good question, and I, and I understand what you're saying. I think, again, it comes down to the, the experience of pure consciousness. In other words, it, it, it may, for example, be a 
terrible thing, certainly from our perspective, when a gigantic hurricane goes slamming into Florida or Louisiana and kills hundreds or thousands of people. Right. From our point of view, that's a horrible thing. But from nature's point of view, it may well be that that hurricane is like um, uh, something that uh, cools our atmosphere. It may be nature's way of cooling our atmosphere and equalizing things and something that actually has to happen in the larger scheme. But from our perspective, it's not so cool when a bunch of people drown. (laughs) It's true. So, So that's what I meant when I said, do we really understand the laws of nature? Or if we begin to manipulate these forces, might me, I mean, wouldn't it be the natural human thing to use this power to our advantage and um, uh, put the, the hurricanes off course and the tornadoes and things that we would consider damaging to our own? Yes, I mean, I, I think you're making brilliant points, brilliant philosophical questions that really... Uh, I think that well, yeah, but uh, I'm not trying to do it in support, you see, of not of saying that we don't properly understand this force right. sufficiently to be just experimenting with it. I, I I certainly like what you have done in support of the whole process in looking at these stats. That makes sense to me, and it just sort of underlines all this as being absolutely real. But when we get down to the actual use part of it, um. You say in support of the laws of nature. I, I just don't know that we properly can interpret them. That, I agree. And the only way they can be, in, with a human consciousness, I don't think we can actually understand fully the laws of nature. I, I don't. So then what we, I do we, think we can do is we can, through consciousness, stimulate the laws of nature through pure consciousness. And therein lies the difference. When these meditators are sent to these places, they aren't meditating on the effects, they're meditating on pure consciousness. The effects happen afterwards. This is what I was trying to talk about before with the Dean Radden's experience. Some of these experiments were done where people were focusing on machines. The others were done when they're focusing on something else, but they changed the machines. Well, has it occurred to you that this is now public enough and obviously has been researched enough with such startling results that the government, and specifically, for example, the Pentagon and those who do war and that sort of thing, that this would have got, perhaps uh, has gotten their attention. You know, I think the people in, it's so hard for us to even get conservative scientists to agree to this stuff, even though the research is staring them in the face. We have now, between the prayer studies, you know, the, the Princeton group studies, the meditation studies, we have now with just the group consciousness studies alone, not the individual stuff that we were talking about before, um, we have probably close to, my guess is 140 or 150 good studies showing, and plus the stuff you did, there's another 10 or 15 of them. Mm -hmm. Of course, they weren't, you know, nobody published them or there wasn't any, you know, documentation, but they were good studies. What do you think the Defense Department, uh, for example, would do with something like this? They they don't believe it. They don't believe it. You you think they don't believe it? No, I don't. I I have talked to lots of scientists and and I've talked to people in the military. And they, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. They well, absolutely do not. Yeah, believe but it. but remember remote viewing. 
um, they they seem to believe that uh, twenty million dollars, uh, twenty years, uh, the CIA. Hold hold on, Doctor. We'll be right back from the high desert, a land time forgot, sort of. This is Coast to Coast AM. With Art Bell. Call the Wildcard Line at area code 775 727 1295. The first time caller line is area code 775 727 1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll free at 800 825 5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800 618 8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5. And dialing toll-free, 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. It's about as interesting as it gets. This is uh, Dr. Garland Landreth tonight. We're talking about mass consciousness, projection of mass consciousness. And I guess, uh, in a way, simplified just right down to the power of the mind but with stats to back up what we're saying. Stay right there. Well, all right. Uh, Dr. Landreth, uh, welcome back. Uh, you've got a website, by the way, don't you? Yes, I do. Uh, what's, what, what's on it? It's, well, I have a, a bunch of pages on there. It's called Universe Lies Within. And um, I have uh, things on there that will help you tune in and quiet your mind so you can pick up on become more intuitive. Um, I also do some life coaching kinds of things where I teach people how to get over some blocks. You know, it's a little bit different than, you know, I tend to like to look at things as being life coach, which is a more positive outlook instead of needing, you know, a life coach is somebody that helps a person get over to something a much better place who's doing fairly good now but they want to go further how do you make your living as a psychologist i mean generally you're die you don't have books here you're not selling books so right i have some meditation tapes that i think would be really good for your for your audience 
Um, so that's how you make your living. Yeah, and then I do consulting, you know, with client clients. Okay. And uh, I do some work with the Special Olympics as well. Oh, you do? Yeah, I love it. All right. Um, three times, this be the third time I think I've asked you now about some experiments that were done in war zones, well, and you, oh, you, yeah, changed, right. you changed the subject each time. What, <laughs> what's the deal there? Well, I wanted to get a background before I went into those because they're, they're so fascinating, but they, the, because we had gotten so little press coverage and nobody seemed to realize what's going on with the other studies, um, we did some demonstrations in actual war zones in the 1980s, and uh, they're quite dramatic. Uh, tell one tell study, me. There was, they were done in Lebanon, um, and this was, this was during those years in the 80s when Lebanon was regularly being shelled. Oh, yes. Um, and what they did is they took a series of, they took about four or five cities, they randomly chose one, and these were cities that had on the average 1,000 shells per year hitting the town <laughs> over the past three years. Okay. We took one city, we taught about 1% of them to meditate, and then what happened was the next year no shells hit that city. But meanwhile, they continued shelling the other four cities, which are about a couple miles away. Uh, they continued shelling them for the, for the next year for about 1,000 shells, you know, that same way. See, I had no idea any of this was going on. Well, not that's not true. I knew some research was going on, but not at the levels that you've quoted tonight. This is, this, it's amazing to me that people don't understand it. I haven't heard about it because they have been attempting to get this knowledge out there because, and that's why they have been doing demonstration projects. They did another demonstration project in Israel. This blows my mind, too. Who, they, who by the way, is they? Oh, the Transcendental Meditation Group. Okay. Um, they are the ones doing, spreading most of the meditation right. research. And, and what did they do in Israel? Well, they sent in about four or 500 meditators similar to the Washington, D.C. study. The reason I brought the other studies up first is because we did similar kinds of things. Right. And I wanted to explain the, the, the research protocol, why the research was so powerful. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, instead of just we were looking at raw data. Um, and before I went to these more extreme, because I think these are the most interesting studies we've done. Um, and, they, and they sent them in. And here they again did the study with independent researchers from several universities in Israel and also in the United States, who were consultants on the research methodology. Mm-hmm. And what they did there, they looked at uh, all kinds of things, from not only crime rates, automobile accidents, fires, and stock market in Israel, but they also looked at things like war deaths and war intensity. Uh, war death is easy to measure. War intensity is, I guess they, they, they did it by the amount of uh, battles that were being fought during mm-hmm. those three months in 1983. Right. And... Um, so they found that they looked at not only Israel, but also Lebanon and Jerusalem as well. And, of course, they found better quality of life with all the variables I mentioned, including you know, crimes, automobile accidents, fires, and stock market activity, while they were there. And they also found less deaths and decreased war tensions. Hmm. Um, this is you know, quite profound research. It's very profound. And uh, at a national level, you know, I asked you earlier, what applications you think the you thought the Defense Department might see here, and you said, "Well, they don't believe it." Well, at some point, uh, they're gonna, or somebody big is gonna, and it, this is suddenly going to be gigantic, gigantic news. Well, you know, you know, the the famous director was it David Lynch? Who? Was the famous? Uh, uh, let's see, director for. Uh, who, who did what? He is sponsoring the David Lynch, the famous movie director. 
he has organized a group now to get 8,000 meditators in one spot, which is hopefully enough to actually change the consciousness of the world. The thinking is if we can get enough of these people doing the same thing at the same time, <clears throat> we can maybe change the war levels in a, in, in, a, in a permanent way. So he has already, I think they've collected already $100 million. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of people who, if they understood this, for example, in the way you just now explained it, to some ears it might sound like um, mind control. <laughs> yeah, I, I understand right? completely what you're saying. Do you? The, here's, here's, oh, let me put this another way. I'm going to explain this. I've been thinking about this in the last break, and I, I want to put it another way. What you're talking about, I, I agree with your position. We kind of not, we're not really butting heads on this issue. What we're trying to do is understand the different elements that go into this. Thing. Mm-hmm. I, there, if, you know, we've kind of touched on all these issues now in the last couple hours. If pure consciousness, which is that fundamental mystical experience that all different religions have seem to have mm-hmm. to some degree, because mm-hmm. I can point out St. Augustine quotes and sure. uh, he talks about it, all these kind of different people in the Christian religion too. Um, if this is the fundamental substratum, and if it is equivalent to the vacuum state or the, uh, the, the quantum field level in, in physics, then if we can somehow stimulate it, then we can stimulate all the laws of nature. Now, we have done, we have shown in numerous experiments that through consciousness alone we can stimulate things. We can change the behavior of machines. Yes. We can change uh, prayers and done incredible things, good things for people. But what if we put attention on the quantum field level of consciousness, which would be pure consciousness? It's the same way. Maybe it's stimulating the laws of nature so that the laws of nature respond more. Um, it's not the same as controlling the laws of nature. It's stimulating them. And when the meditators go in, they do not think about reducing crime. They simply meditate. And they stimulate what is supposed to be the, the laws of nature. The theory is there's a destructive element and then there's a creative element. And sometimes the destructive element overshadows the creative element. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's happening in today. In your book, the beautiful book you wrote on the environment, it just displays it perfectly. And when that happens, nature responds. Then when you have the destructive element overshadowing the creative element, nature takes issue with it and tries to restore the balance. And that's why you get all these earthquakes and hurricanes that cause a lot of destruction and all that. That's the theory. And uh, so, in essence, we're using consciousness not to change people's individuality, not to have mind control, but we're doing is stimulating the laws of nature of pure consciousness and letting, changing the actual vibrations in the area, the collective consciousness of the area. I'm just saying that everybody might not look at it that way. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. All right, now I, I would like to bring some um, callers on and see what they have to contribute, and uh, so let's do that. I try to get that done in the last hour here. First time caller line, you're on the air with Dr. Garland Landreth and Art Bell. Hi. Well, hi, and uh, thanks to both of you for doing the show. Sure. I, uh, cool. I have uh, two brief questions, and if we have time, a brief comment. Um, what do you think... 
Dr. Landreth, of Deepak Chopra's idea that basically we already are creating, we already are using these sorts of, I guess you could call them powers, but in effect putting this sort of thing out thousands of times per second into the quantum field, but in the same way that motion pictures appear to be moving, but they're actually 60 still frames a second, that, that we're all putting these thoughts and configuring this stuff thousands of times per second, and so it is seamless and apparently invisible. And then my second question... Well, hold on. That's, that's a lot, lot there. Uh, okay. Doctor? Well, that's, a, that's actually probably really close to what quantum, quantum physicists would say about normal <clears throat> situations in the real world. They would say that, that what we see outside doesn't really exist, but rather it's a fluctuation of the vacuum state. In other words, these are energy potentials constantly coming into existence and flickering back out and then coming back into existence. So that's very similar to what quantum field theorists and, you know, in quantum physics would say. Of course, it gets really abstract, what I'm talking about right now. Right. But, um, should I ask the second one now? Okay. Okay. Uh, I think it's that. a brilliant thought. <laughs> Thank you. And that's um, why I think that we have, we can change, we can change what's going to happen. I've got that. All right. Yeah. Your second question. Um, the second question sort of relates, and it's this idea from uh, a book called Conversations with God, written by Neil Donald Walsh. It was actually on this show a few years back. Right. It's great. Um, <clears throat> he basically points out that creation is a, th or well, it's pointed out in the book that creation is a thought, word, and deed process. And so, while I understand that that uh, meditating is one way to do it, I'm wondering what you think of the idea of constantly focused thoughts, words, and deeds in alignment with a particular creation, not only drawing that creation into form, but also helping people tune to opportunities to create on the physical level as well. It sounds really good. I'm not sure I completely understand it, but um, I like the idea of helping people. I think that helps create incredible good things in, in the universe. Um, is, is that more or less what he's talking about there, or is he talking about something else? Well, no, it's 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 basically any creation, any sort of any sort thought. of manifestation that happens. You you basically do your thoughts, your words, and your deeds all in alignment with the same thing. In other words, they match. You think these thoughts about things that you're putting out there, you match your words to them, and then eventually you get to the point where you can. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I see. You're kind of like, okay, visualization type thing. Well, yeah, but it goes beyond that. It works on three different levels. Right. Visualization no, and I, I understand completely. Yes, no, that's brilliant. That's, that's really, yeah. I do some of that with my, with my clients, and I think it's wonderful. Uh, yes, I remember, okay, now I understand completely what you're saying. I think that's the only way to do it. You have to do it in a holistic way, in a total, in a way where it incorporates more than just thought. The idea of positive thinking is good. But it's only one element, and I think you're absolutely correct. That's a brilliant point. And then it also works on the quantum level too. Back to the back to the first question that all these things are putting these sort of quantum waves out, and that's how they come into form. That's brilliant. That's exactly what quantum physicists would say, and that's what uh, uh, I would you know concur completely with what's going on with the mind. We are putting out, in a sense, we are creating in a very real sense, whether we like it or not. And I think this is another answer to the question, Art, because we're always creating anyway, 
we're already putting these thoughts out. In a sense, we're, we're already doing what you, which you were doing on the show, but we're doing it in a negative way. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Uh, yes. Uh, but it seems to me that the number of people uh, who are getting together, even by the thousands, and reducing crime rates right. or causing fewer automobile accidents or whatever other good they appear to be accomplishing um, are rather outnumbered. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, by the number of people right now who are thinking that the environment is degrading at a remarkably fast clip. Oceans are melting. Right. Uh, ice is melting and becoming oceans uh, in, in the north part of the world. The south part of the world is melting and calving. And the weather is changing rapidly. And, and a lot of people believe this. More and more people believe this. I think thanks to you and your show. I, I really do. I think you have changed to help change the collective consciousness. I really do. Yeah, well, you and I, I think, though, uh, may have different ideas about what's going on as a result of it. Uh, anyway, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Dr. Garland Landreth. Hello. 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 Yes. Uh, hi. How you doing, Art? Um, you have a wonderful show. I just wanted to uh, tell you that. And I have a question for uh, the doctor. Yes. Okay, uh, this happened in 1969 in Vietnam. It was a war zone. And um, I'm going to say this real quick, and I'll just get off the line and, and uh, listen to the doctor's opinion. Um, I was working for three nights without, without sleep. So when I finally fell asleep, I, I was dead to the world, you know. So uh, my grandmother woke me up with a real urgency. She woke me up, and... Um, and she said, wake up, wake up, and I was dead asleep. I thought I was at home, you know, I, I thought I was back at home, and I woke up, and I saw my grandmother's face, and I saw her body was as, as like a veil, and uh, I, I yelled, and, uh, I, you know, I screamed because I saw her there, and she was still alive, so I was, uh, just a few seconds uh, after that, we had a rocket attack, and, uh, she saved me. She saved my life. But all these years, I've been wondering what what happened. I never understood what it was. But all right, all right. Uh, caller, hold on a sec. Uh, in a war zone, that's interesting. Now, doctor, is it possible uh, this consciousness that we've been discussing tonight? Yes. Uh, perhaps uh, now we look over at religion for a second, and we say, is it logical scientifically that this consciousness? in some way survives the physical death of the body? I think it's indisputable. Indisputable? I, mean, I, I think, yes, I do. I think because of all this, well, I'll put you this way. We have a lot of good research that the consciousness can be outside of the body. And uh, we, didn't, we didn't touch on a lot of that stuff, but some of the stuff of what we've been talking about relates. In other words, consciousness acts on a quantum field level. If it is on a quantum field level, there is no time-space boundaries to it. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, this analogy keeps coming back. We have to, uh, if, we, if it does operate on this level, there is no time-space boundaries. It's eternal. It's eternal, like, exactly. the, like the soul is said to be. Exactly. It's one and the same, I think. But e e okay, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Lang. By the way, that was a very incredible Hello. experience, and I think it was, uh, again, an example of, 
consciousness in in a quantum field where there's no separation in time. Well, and it, it may well be that that part of the law, uh, the, the mind that lit up like a bulb uh, suddenly made its transmission in the form of grandma. I don't know. <laughs> uh, caller, hello there. That's hello. true. That's a good point. Yes, hello, caller. this is Vinny from Avon Lake, Ohio. Yes. There's a small group of TMers in Avon Lake. Uh, they bought a hotel here. Oh. Uh, but... My my question is how to how to pay for all this because frankly uh, uh, I used to go to uh, Fairfield Iowa to uh, at least during vacation time but uh, I, when I started running out of money I'm not even doing that anymore and I used to uh, meditate in the Golden Dome. So you're asking how to pay for all what? All the large group. Uh, it's it's quite a problem and the TM movement isn't what it used to be. Uh, financially. I see what you're saying. Um, so motivating and organizing and doing all of that, Doctor, he's saying, how do you, uh, well, how, how do you pay for I, that? I think it costs, according to what David Lynch is trying to do, it's really fascinating. He's trying to get enough people meditating in one spot. We, we, they calculated it out. For the price of one B-1 bomber, we could do it. <laughs> People always and compare things to a B1. A B1 bobber is it's a like billion gold, dollars. We it's could like, have as many people meditating as we want to in one spot. It's like the gold standard. All right, uh, <laughs> uh, hold it right there. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, for a G a B1, you could get uh, you could get a lot of meditators, what one way or the other. From the high desert in the middle of the night, this is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from east of the Rockies, call toll-free 800-825-5033. From west of the Rockies, call 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5, and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. From coast to coast and worldwide on the Internet, 
This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. I wonder if the laws of nature would allow us to collectively, millions of us, to burst a, a blood vessel in the temple of uh, Osama bin Laden. I wonder if the laws of nature would allow that. I wonder. What do you think, Doctor? Could we uh, concentrate on bursting a blood vessel in Osama bin Laden's brain? Well, that would probably work, but uh, there's, a, I think, a, a far more positive way to do it, and that's to, again, meditate and stimulate those laws of nature and reduce the tensions and increase the creativity of people. Uh, right now, I think we're in a world crisis. I mean, I think you've articulated it probably better than anybody I know. Yeah, there's not much question about that. And uh, I think you're right. I think people are starting to become aware of it. And But there seems to be inertia. Have you noticed that? I mean, in spite of all the fact that all these people are, you know, even agree with it, there seems to be huge inertia for doing something about it. There is. Um, there is. But it's a, a an accelerating, continuing process that hasn't stopped yet. So No, no, and I agree. I think what, what, but this is a continuum in the collective consciousness. The collective consciousness changes as, as we grow as a people. I mean, if you think about it, in the, in the wars past, nobody cared about collateral damage. Now it's a big deal. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's all true. Um, and the collective consciousness has changed. I'm not sure it's a, a gigantic move away from the concept of war. No. But no. It is at least concerned about um, the innocence a little bit, I, I guess. I, uh, anyway, listen, we've got lots of people who want to talk to you. Uh, Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Dr. Landreth. Hello. Hello. Is that me? Yeah, it's you. Oh, hi. How you doing? Okay, sir. Um, a lot of... I was uh, commenting about the, over the past couple weeks I've listened to your show at night. I, I, I listened to it in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. And uh, I am a student of science of mind, and uh, I've been at the Edgar Casey Foundation, and Edgar Casey was probably a world's foremost psychic who basically touched on uh, the laws of the universe. She, uh, and right now there's uh, Esther Hicks. Abraham Speaks tapes. I don't know if you've heard of those, where she talks about the law of allowing, the law of attracting. She basically touches on, which Eric uh, Casey touched on in one of his uh, uh, readings that he did. Right, and your point is? Well, I was I was asking. He was talking about quantum physics as as the consciousness is like a science. Wouldn't it be more, like, metaphysical? Oh, I, I see. Okay, well, uh, it, it seems to me that what Dr. Landreth has brought us is scientific evidence uh, that uh, appears to be um, uh, proving the metaphysical in, in a scientific way. Um, I think that's probably as good as I could have said, if not better. <laughs> I mean, that is what you're doing. You have exactly. quoted a number of studies here that are almost irrefutable evidence that what we're talking about is real. I'm just not sure where we go with it from here. You seem more clear-headed about that than I am. I think healthy skepticism is good. I, I love your show because you are part scientist, 
and I think a healthy skepticism is good. And healthy to me means being open. Uh, you know, it gets really frustrating when people are skeptical but not even open. I don't mind skepticism. I think it's a good thing. I agree. Uh, but I think when people aren't open, you're no longer having a dialogue. Uh, that's, that's correct. Um, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Landreth. Hello. Yeah, hello. My name is E.T. I'm calling from Roanoke, Virginia. We listen to you on WFIR. Yes, sir. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you was talking about listening to this uh, thing. How do you listen to it? Or how, how do you listen to your, the message in, that's in there in your own mind, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, for years I've studied martial arts, either karate or kung fu or something like that. Yes. Uh, I, I tell this story about this gentleman who was walking behind me at a bar. He was four people behind me, didn't know him, never met him. Uh, he went to sucker punch me, and I just got the sense to duck. He missed. He went over top of me. Yeah. But wow. I caught glasses. You know, I'd be walking, and somebody would uh, I'd be walking by a table or something, and somebody would knock over a glass, and I would reach down and grab it. But what we did is we we trained ourselves to to not only listen but to feel, and by way of feeling is through like the hairs on your arms and things like that it's almost like a like somebody's kind of touching you or okay so you're saying that the process of the mental discipline of martial arts taught you to to do exactly what we're talking about and just, that is... by, just by trying to feel and listen yeah beautiful to, because beautiful. It's, not, it's a bunch of things involved it's not just one uh it's not something that you can really hear but it's something. It, the best way I can explain it is, it's 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 more of a feeling than a hearing. Well, it's it's definitely there. There's sure no question about that. Uh, whatever it is, it's real and it's there. And some take advantage of it, and some don't. I personally um, think this way, Doctor, that those who are very successful, those who make a lot of money or become, I don't know, very popular or uh, very well known in their field, whatever their field happens to be, right. are people who have become attuned to this and as a result make quick, instant, correct, frequently more than not decisions. Yes, I think you're absolutely correct. And it's just that intuitive whatever. Um, West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Garland Landreth. Hello. Hi. Hi. You two were talking the last hour about something that close to what I've had a, a theory about for a long time. And that would be? Uh, cybernetic technology, I believe, magnifies or increases the power of human consciousness. Our brains are electrical, and computers are that way, and this is like a greater electrical field somehow. And I sort of believe that if it's used properly, it could uh, be used for like a conscious evolution, or if we are totally unaware of it, and it could lead to unconscious de-evolution uh-huh. or devolution. Or yes, yes. So I was wondering if you could comment on that. Okay. Did you get all that, Doctor? I couldn't hear the question. Really? Oh. Uh, oh, gee. Uh, well, she was saying the power could be used for uh, con- conscious evolution or subconscious de-evolution. Unconscious. Unconscious. Unconscious, well, unconscious. Right. okay, sure. Yeah, and I think that um, that's, again... Getting back to the issue of pure consciousness, if we experience that, we're more in accord with the laws of nature because that's equivalent to 
the vacuum or the you know the quantum field in all of physics. Uh, it is it stimulates the laws of nature. We can never know all the laws of nature. It's impossible. We're only human beings, but we can stimulate them and make them more part of us. It doesn't mean that we'll be the same as everyone else. It means that those specific laws of nature that are in tune with us will become more dominant. Yes, but you see, I get the same nervous tick when I <laughs> when I listen to you say that as I do when I listen to the people up at the Heart Project say. We we can't we don't have enough power to really do anything to the ionosphere, but we can uh, we can stimulate it uh, the ionosphere that is, and that gives me a kind of a nervous tick right. uh, because uh, sometimes you don't know exactly what's going to happen when you tickle the tail of the tiger. Um, I- International line, you're on the air with Dr. Uh, Garland Landreth. Hello. Hello. Hi. Turn your radio off for me, please. That's number one. Oh, hello. Yes, hello. I'd like very much to have a word, if I may. You, you, you may. Hello? You, you may if you'll turn your radio off. Oh, hello. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hang up if you don't. Oh, goodness. Hey, oh, I hear you, and I'm yes. trying to get this radio off. Right. We'll, we'll wait for you. Okay. Uh, this, this is a lady down in Louisiana. Uh-huh. Uh, many, many years ago, I had an experience, uh, a religious experience, and I try not to go into that because a lot of people object to it. However, it, uh, I would like for you, if you will, for those of us who are more illiterate in these, define transcendental meditation for me, if you will. All right. Define transcendental meditation is what you were saying. Um, it's the process of experiencing the experience of pure consciousness without thought, feeling, or object of perception. And uh, in other words, we transcend the consciousness of a thought. In other words, if we have the potential to have consciousness of something, we certainly have the potential of experiencing pure consciousness. In other words, you completely eliminate uh, your surrounding influences and uh, quiet yourself and go entirely within your own mind. The theory is that this stimulates the laws of nature that are particular to you and also particular to the surrounding environment in a beneficial way. And you can't predict what those, in a sense, what those stimulations will be, only that will reduce the tension in the environment and help make other people make better decisions. You remember earlier in the program when I half-jokingly, only half, uh, said, it, <laughs> said it sounds like witchcraft, right? Yes. Well... Have you ever considered that um, those who do practice the craft do have knowledge of these laws, perhaps to some greater degree than we do, and their manipulation? You know what? I wouldn't be able to say much about it because I don't know a lot about it. Um, (laughs) You might want to look into it. Yeah, I I, I would, uh, you know, again, I I think it's entirely possible. I think they revere the environment. And uh, from what I have, you know, from the little contact I've had with them, and their reverence of the environment tends, tells me that they appreciate the laws of nature. Well, it, it might further erode uh, your, your research from a credibility point of view to do so, but I'm telling you that eventually you're going to want to look at that. Uh, first time caller line, you're on the air with Dr. Landreth. Hello. Hello. I wanted to ask um, Art Bell and Dr. Landreth to explain the difference between meditating with um, a blank mind as opposed to meditating by concentrating on a certain problem 
I think uh, there's right. a big difference between uh, the two. All right. Well, here, let me give this example. There's a uh, form of Buddhism called Nishiren Shoshu Soka Gakkai, in which uh, you chant uh myoho rengekyo, nam myoho rengekyo, and you try to attain things in this lifetime. Millions of Japanese believe in this, and others around the world, for that matter. Uh, they believe that it is reasonable to... Um, uh, go into a state of meditation, which chanting is, sort of, and try and obtain a material thing, a raise or a promotion at work or a new refrigerator or whatever you happen to need going for material things. Uh, what about that, Doctor? Um, yes, I mean, I think you, you explained it pretty well. There are differences between different types of meditations. Uh, when I talk about pure consciousness, there's no real desire in that, when you're in that state, you're in the state just enjoying all of creation, so to speak. Um, to create it, you know, then you come out of it, you kind of have desires and all these different thoughts and everything else that comes up. So in the state, it's, it's not, it's, it's desire free while you're there. But you can use that, like, like, you know, you were saying, to kind of create things as well by visualizing things. Mm-hmm. But you do it in a way that uh, by letting it go. The secret to having a more powerful mind is to have the thought and to let go of the thought. And most people hold on to the thought, and that's what that's what makes it hard to manifest the thought. <laughs> All right. Uh, wild Card Line, you're on the air with Dr. Garland Landreth. Hello. Hi, uh, Art. This is uh, Steve calling from uh, Avondale, Arizona. Yes, Steve. Uh, I, I'm actually an STI member out here. And uh, I thought it was kind of uh, odd that you just brought that up because uh, that was one of the things I've been trying to call in and uh, and ask about that, you know, one of the things we meditate is the oneness of self in the environment and how that relates to what he was talking about, the consciousness. And, you know, you have all these positive thinking people, um, you know, saying that, you know, if you think negative, negative things are going to happen. If you think positive, positive yes. things are going to happen. Yes. And, why can't we apply this to the war that's going on? And I'm sure there's more people praying for the war to end than there are the fanaticism of the people that are trying to cause it. So why can't we change those negative things into a positive thing? Doctor? On a mass scale. Hmm. Yeah. Could you repeat it a little bit better? I mean, I couldn't quite understand it a little well, bit differently. Okay. Uh, he was basically saying um, we have the war going on right. and terrorism. And I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, why can we not um, get some sort of mass meditation that would change something at that level? Moderate and stop a war, stop people from fighting with each other and wanting to kill each other and whatever all. I think we can I think the secret again comes to allowing. See, there's there's different levels of power of the mind. The mind has more power the more quiet it is. And I think we could do a lot more if we can learn how to let go a little bit. And uh, it is possible. Of course, the other possibility is you could you could try to take a negative thought while you're in that power the position. I guess you were talking about that with Ben Laden. Uh, but I think that. Um, um, you can end up a lot of bad karma whenever you put <laughs> stuff like that. But in a way, I guess that uh, Ben Laden such an amazing person. I mean, amazingly bad. But maybe it isn't bad. Who knows? I don't know. There's too many, too many things going on there. 
Witchcraft, Doctor. Look into witchcraft. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Garland Landreth. Hello. Yes, first of all, I'd like to say, Mr. Bell, it is so wonderful to hear you back on the air again. Thank you very much. Fabulous to hear you back. Thank you, thank you. And you sound better than ever. Thank you. Um, I had a, a question for the doctor. Yes. Um, first of all, you de one of your definitions that you gave before, I, I found to be an oxymoron. Which one? Not that, I don't, not that I don't think that you're trying to do something really wonderful. Well, which one, sir? Which yeah. definition? He, he, when he was giving a definition of what transcendental meditation is, it's, it's commonly oh, yes. known. It's commonly known by all of the views on your show. Most of them, I think, that thought manifests physical reality, collectively and individual. Yes. And that free will, the aspect of free will, is you manifest what you believe in as an individual. Nothing can stop you from doing that. Okay. Uh, so, um, an oxymoron. Yeah, so there was one. I, I wanted to ask um, the doctor. I have a question. All right. Doctor, does the Earth turn clockwise or counterclockwise? You mean, does the Earth turn clockwise or counterclockwise? I mean exactly what the question is. Do you oh. know what direction you're you're turning in on the planet Earth on the orb of the Earth? Because the Earth is manifested through the collective consciousness of the individuals. Right. Is, is the Earth turning clockwise or counterclockwise? Do you know it or are you going to guess? Well, it's not a matter of relativity either. Okay, it's whether so you are at the top I, of the pole or the bottom of the pole. I can't really remember. I think either, it, I'm not I, trying to I think attack it turns you. clockwise if I remember. I just right. want to, I'm not trying to attack you. I just want to know. I'm Do you know what I'm direction the orb that, you, that you're existing on? He Is jumped on, I believe, he, he, sir, sir, hold it. He jumped on clockwise, I think. He said clockwise? Yeah. No, it's counterclockwise. Counterclockwise. Okay, counterclockwise. Well, all right. We, we, all maybe right. we can all get together and, uh, I don't know, uh, start it going the other way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what the relevance of the question was exactly at all. So um, so there you are. Anyway, it doesn't matter because we're out of time. You have a website, Doctor? Yes, Universe Lies Within. And uh, that will help people in the process that we've been talking about tonight, listen more closely to their own uh, minds. Right. Uh, this has been a delight, Art. You, you're, you're an amazing... I just love what you're doing with the show, and I, I think you're, you're, in spite of yourself, you're having a huge power, positive effect on the laws of nature. <laughs> well, I, I hope so. I, 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 I'm sure of it. Um, well, there's lots of times when I'm not. Uh, at any rate, either way, I appreciate your being here. Believe me, it was great. It's one of my favorite topics. Thank you, Doctor, and good night. Thank you. Good night. All right, well, there you have it. I'm still not altogether sure about this power or process. But I know one thing. I know it's real. And I guess we will decide what to do with it. From the high desert for tonight, good night.
the high desert in the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever time of day it may be in all the prolific time zones circling the world. We cover them all with this program known as Coast to Coast AM. This would be the weekend edition of Same. I'm Art Bell. How you doing? It's great to be here. It really is nice to be here. Looking forward to this all week long. We will have open lines this hour. And as a matter of fact, we're going to have open lines tomorrow night, all night long. And then later this hour, we're going to be talking about mass consciousness, which is one of my favorite subjects with Dr. Garland Landreth. We'll see what he has to say about the subject. But uh, it is one of the most intriguing... (laughs) And I'm not even sure what to say about it. The power of the mind may be the ultimate power in the universe. Maybe that's true. All right, a little bit of news. NASA's Opportunity rover landed on Mars a little while ago, arriving at the Red Planet just three weeks, exactly three weeks, actually, after its identical twin set down. As you know, the the rover, uh, Rover 1, is in recovery, I guess. They're saying they think they know what's wrong, and they're on the track to fixing it and so forth. Meanwhile, its twin has landed. All is well, and the celebration and shouting went on at NASA, as you can imagine. So we'll get more, yet more pictures of Mars. And and by the way, while I'm on the subject, I know that it's irresistibly tempting to take the photographs that are coming back from Mars and put mcdonald's and walmart and little space beings and all kinds of things photoshopped into the mars pictures it's irresistible but please stop i've seen them all believe me i've seen them all and other than that i'm still just seeing rocks but that's me can't see in three dimensions or something right (laughs) looks like rocks uh, looks like five more of our are dead in Iraq. A west of Baghdad, Iraqi insurgents, uh, separate bombings narrowly missing an American convoy in a blast that killed four Iraqis, wounded about 40 others north of the capital, so not ours, theirs. Uh, but five dead. The bloody attack uh, occurred as UN uh, security experts began to study the possible return of UN international staff to play a key role in Iraq's transformation to democracy. Well, I don't know. Maybe the U.N. will go back. Is it any safer today, do you think, than when the U.N. said, hey, it's not safe, we're leaving? It it would not appear so to me. Howard Dean sharply questioned John Kerry's judgment on Iraq Saturday as Democratic presidential rivals raced through a final frozen weekend of campaigning up in New Hampshire. He said, quote, I would be deeply concerned about the kind of judgment in the White House, end quote, said Dean, the one-time front-runner who did a screech uh, that has been heard around the world several times, as a matter of fact. Secretary of State Colin Powell, <laughs> I held out uh, the possibility Saturday, be for the first time that uh, pre-war Iraq may not have had weapons of mass destruction after all. Powell was asked about weapons of mass destruction 
And about comments last week by David Kay, the outgoing leader of the uh, U.S. weapons search team in Iraq, that didn't believe Iraq had a large quantity of chemical or biological weapons. And let's see. What else have... Oh. With luck, the world will escape the latest outbreak of bird flu with no more than the six human deaths already blamed on it and the loss of millions of chickens. But public health experts worry of a much greater disaster, a catastrophe they say is among the worst imaginable, a global outbreak of an entirely new form of human flu. There is no clear sign that will happen. Nevertheless, uh, bird influenza's sudden uh, sweep through Asia, along with its tendency for wholesale mutation, have left many wondering about the bug's potential for rampant spread among humans. It is a possibility the medical journal The Lancet, call, Lancet calls uh, massively frightening. Now, it is massively frightening. It really is. The fact that more and more species jumps appear. That, by the way, that was uh, the Associated Press that I just read you, the hourly news from the Associated Press. But just so you know where that came from, no scare stuff, just in the regular old five-minute summary. More and more species jumping going on. What do you make out of that? And out of this, what do you make? A security guard at BASF, uh, the chemical plant, was shot in the shoulder Saturday after he approached a suspicious truck and talked to a man who said that he had been taking pictures. The guard's name was not released, but Free, uh, Freeport Police said that he was doing well at a hospital following the Friday night shooting. The guard told police the gunman was a man described as a man of Middle Eastern descent with bushy hair and a mustache. The man was driving a white pickup with tinted windows and a black stripe. Now, the plant has a very, very large ammonia tank. And, I, of course, they go on to say they have no indication here that it is terrorist-related, but... Boy, it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? And here's one that uh, you ought to catch up on. Remember the story? Do you remember the story about the uh, uh, the pilot who ran his plane into the Colorado Rockies? Nobody could figure out. Well, they still don't know. Air Force investigators have concluded, though, that Robert Craig Button whose A-10 jet mysteriously crashed in the Colorado Rockies after breaking away from formation during a training run in April, probably committed suicide. This uh, from CNN. They, they learned in a report due out Monday that military investigators are going to call the incident a case of spontaneous or unpremeditated suicide largely because they have ruled out any other explanation for the crash. That's interesting. Spontaneous or unpremeditated suicide, because you don't have any other answer. No evidence, but was uh, contemplating suicide. He didn't get his affairs in order or uh, report that he'd received a call, you know, from his significant other. That's not true. Turned out to be not true. No drugs, no alcohol involved. So I guess they're going to call it unpremeditated or spontaneous 
suicide. Strange stuff. Open lines coming up. Stay right where you are. All of you know the phone number, so grab a telephone and join in. Once again, the big news of the hour, of course, we are once again um, within the hour and a little more safely down on Mars. And uh, rover number one is in recovery, and things are looking good, according to the scientists. Anyway, once again, don't forget, tomorrow night, tomorrow night we'll have a complete open line program, which means anything you want to talk about. But I'm always up for, as you know, when I do an open line show, I'm always up for special lines. So if you have something, some favorite subject that you would like to see ruminated upon uh, at some depth, you might email me at one of my operative email addresses, artbell at mindspring.com or artbell at aol.com. That's A-R-T-B-E-L-L, lowercase, at AOL or Mindspring. Either one will get to me. So to the lines we go. East of the Rockies, you are on the air. Hello. Yes, sir. Hi. Uh, I'd like you to explain how the wonderful missions to Mars that su- succeed occur in the middle of your program. <laughs> uh, usually conveniently about an hour before my program with the last Mars probe. And this Mars probe, I have no idea, sir. It's good timing. Uh, I don't know. Could you get somebody to justify our space expenses by asteroid detection and expenses? Somebody like Lloyd, so one that has to reinsure some of this damage. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's interesting. Um, we, of course, uh, we, we have a great danger uh, that is circling and circling and circling and in orbit and comes by the Earth every now and then. All of these rock-like objects. rock-like objects. That's what they are, though, and uh, some of them bigger than others. We know, I think we know of about 10% of them, and about 90% uh, we don't know about. I think that's an appropriate figure. And, of course, without any warning whatsoever, one of these objects could strike the Earth, doing to us what was done to the dinosaurs. You imagine that in the blink of an eye. Just like that. No warning. It came out of the sun. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. This is Chris. Hey, Chris. Up in Fairbanks, Alaska, listening on AM 970 Kayak. Way up north. Yeah, it's actually yes. warmer up here than the East Coast again. Is it really? Mm-hmm. How warm? One above. We all, all of one above. Well, it was up to 10 today. <laughs> Shorts and T-shirt weather. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about was the mass consciousness experiments. Oh, oh yes. And I'd actually decided to set up a site to try and conduct these. And I got an email address and everything for it. I was wondering if I could give that out on the air. Um, what? Uh, let's back up a little bit. Okay. Uh, what kind of mass consciousness experiments would you be conducting? Um, the FBI top ten most wanted list, for instance. If we could actually use mass consciousness to capture them, uh-huh. stuff like that. All right. Because those uh, are the only types. Uh, well, let you me really slow, do. let me slow you up here. All right. While that would seem a worthy um, goal, I mean, to catch bad guys and that kind of thing, Mm -hmm. 
Um, I we don't know yet enough about this power, and it may be a very great power indeed, I, in my opinion, to go willy-nilly experimenting, no, no matter how laudable the, the cause may seem. Now, maybe I can have my mind changed on that, but we don't understand enough of this power and, and or the way events work. For, let, let me give you a what if, all right? Okay. Let's say that you had a mass consciousness experiment and so-and-so was captured. Mm-hmm. Well, suppose the way the cosmos really works is that as bad as that so-and-so was, he was going to do something that would end up, oh, God, who knows, you know, saving a president's life or something. I mean, I mean you're tampering with forces that you don't understand, and, and I don't. Well, if it's going to actually happen that way, then I think God would intervene in it. Oh, well, I don't know. There's this free will thing. And maybe, yeah. maybe part of it includes the use of a power like this. I, so my answer to you is that I would prefer not to be part of that kind of experiment until I know more. Well, the other thing I wanted to get a hold of, too, was people out there seem to have these weird coincidences that go on in their lives. Yeah. Uh, this one guy this week was talking about how he was planning to go to Gettysburg, and he was sorting mail from New York City, uh-huh. and all of a sudden his postcard slipped out with the Gettysburg picture on it. Mm, well, and I want to try and get a hold of some of those. It's not exactly an well. it's not exactly an uncommon thing. I mean, if you're sorting mail, Gettysburg is a pretty yeah. common pictorial site, right? So From New York City. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're sorting mail, uh, you're gonna. I, I mean, it's common on a postcard. Yeah, but the postcard came from New York City. What were they doing with the Gettysburg postcard? Don't we don't even have them up here. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I I know, uh, but. No, I don't know. Um, there, there are. I mean, there are people say there are no such thing as coincidences. Oh, well, yes, there are. <laughs> there are coincidences. I suppose you can use that phrase with a broad stroke uh, to try and impart some sort of meaning. But there are, in fact, coincidences. Things do happen that are coincidences, and. Uh, as our mind tries to make sense, for example, of misshapen objects on Mars that we see a little blurry like the clouds, you know, whoa, there's Uncle Fred, look at that. Uh, you know, and, and it's the same sort of thing. We have Gettysburg on the mind, and we see Gettysburg, and we think, oh, paranormal occurrence. Well, maybe not. Maybe it is a coincidence. First time, caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. This is Chris from Colorado. Hey, Chris. Um, I love your show. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. <laughs> a little nervous here. Um, um, something happened to me about 25 years ago, and I figured with your experience, maybe you can tell me what it was. Um, my sister and I, we grew up in Wisconsin, and um, one night um, we went to bed, and uh, our beds, we had twin beds, so they run parallel. I, I saw this green glowing object under my sister's bed. So the next morning I get up thinking it's some glow-in-the-dark ball or something. Uh, no, I love. All right, let me, let me stop you right there. Um, didn't you, what's your sister's name? My sister's name is Lynn. Lynn. Uh-huh. Well, if you woke up in the middle of the night and saw a green glowing object under Lynn's bed, why didn't you say, hey, Lynn, there's something glowing under your bed? I did. I did. Oh, you did. Yeah, I did, and at the time, in the beginning, we thought nothing of it. We thought, because we were kids in our early teens, we thought we'd left something there. So the next morning, I get up, and I go, look, there's nothing there. Well, the next night, it's back. 
Now I'm thinking I had an older brother. I thought, okay, he's playing a joke on me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so once again, I tell him, stop it. We know you're doing something. Mm -hmm. he, he's like, he had nothing. He didn't know what we were talking about. Well, then the next night, it appears under my bed. Mm -hmm. And then the night after that, I see it under our desk. The night after that, my sister sees it under the dresser. And, of course, we're freaked out. You know, we're 13, 12 years old. And we're like, we're, you know, you get up and go look. I'm not getting up and going to look. Well, finally, it went on about a week, and I get up the courage, and I say to it, I say, okay, we see you. We know you're here. Go away. Leave us alone. And we never saw it again. Well, and let me tell you something. Young, pre-present, like young ladies like yourself and your sister, stuff like that happens around them because they have all kinds of raging hormones and stuff, and they produce, no, don't laugh, it's it's very well documented, and they produce anomalous things like that around okay. them. So think about that. Could be. Okay. All right. Thanks, Art. Later. Wild card line. You would have been on the air. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Yes, hello. You're on the air. Surprise. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, no, don't be up. sorry. You don't have to be sorry. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm calling from Indiana. So yeah. Ten seventy. Yes, sir. And um, I've. I'm fairly new to the program, but I've noticed a lot of people call seeing things in uh, southern Indiana. And I'm going to be doing some gardening down there this summer, kind of in a secluded area. Yeah. And it's kind of worried me about the amount of people that call in from southern Indiana. And I was wondering with your experience, if you know of any, like UFO repellent or alien repellent or, you know, something just to put my mind at ease. Uh, well, yes, actually, we have a combination spray, alien um, and yeah. UFO repellent, uh, $19.95. Excellent. Uh, uh, absolute uh, results guaranteed or your money back uh, if, you, if, you, if you make it back. I mean, Right. Uh, well, I, I've noticed a lot of people call in from that area, and it's kind of got me freaked out because I'm going to be in some pretty secluded areas all yes, summer. Yes, dark areas, gardening. Dark. Dark-wooded where, where things could come out of the bushes and from behind the trees, and you could be part of the ground before you know what hit you. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, have a good summer. All right. All right. Take Thank care. You, uh huh. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Oh, hi, Art. Uh, this is Edna. I'm in Montrose, California, which is near L.A. Hey, Edna. Hey. A um, couple things. Uh, first, you know, there's no Tesla Museum in the United States. Tesla Museum? That's You're right. There isn't, is there? Uh, there's, the only museum I know about is in uh, what they used to call Yugoslavia, Serbia, in Belgrade. And there's nothing for... Now, why do you suppose that is? I don't know. He did most of his uh, uh, inventing or discovering of uh, inventions here in the U.S. Why do, why do you think that Tesla has not been appropriately recognized for his contributions? Uh, the powers that be, the uh, people trying to keep him out of the... Uh, Maybe his contribution was too big. Uh, that could be. <laughs> <laughs> that might be. And another important question, and, and <laughs> I've got to find out about this. Are we ever going to find out or get some uh, Art Bell and Ramona Bell pizza sauce? <laughs> Um, well, I don't know. Uh, that's a very good question. Pizza punch, we called it. Remember? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, I, I don't have the answer to that question. I still don't. I'm sorry. I don't. It's a, it's a long story, but uh, in Paris, we went to this very interesting little tiny um, 
restaurant run by an Italian on the outskirts of Paris, and he had this incredible sauce that we put on a cheese pizza there, and Ramona being very talented at discerning what's in a bottle, and he brought this bottle out with all these ingredients. You know, you could see them all floating in there, and oh my God, it was good on pizza. It was really good, and Ramona identified and then replicated, back-engineered, if you will, the pizza sauce when we got home, and she nailed it, I'll tell you right now, because I love that stuff. I love it. Uh, however, we have never divulged the contents, at least yet. From the high desert in the great American Southwest, this is Coast to Coast AM. I'm Art Bell, and we'll be accompanying you all night long. Sign up for Streamlink at www.coasttocoastam.com and you can hear tonight's show over and over and over. The first-time caller line is area code 775-727-1222. To talk with Art Bell from East of the Rockies, call toll-free at 800-825-5033. From West of the Rockies, call Art at 800-618-8255. International callers may reach Art Bell by calling your in-country Sprint Access number, pressing option 5 and dialing toll-free 800-893-0903. Top of the morning, everybody. I'm Art Bell, and we're rocking right now in open line. So those are the numbers. Join us in the next hour. We're going to be talking about mass consciousness. As you know, one of the very last things that I explored in the uh, full-time show, and I continue to explore uh, throughout the time that I get to spend with you on weekends, I think, I think consciousness, mass consciousness, directed consciousness may be the most powerful force in the universe. We'll be right back. Right back into the nighttime, as it were, and all of you. 
Good evening. Uh, you're on the air, Coast to Coast AM, on the international line. Um, what is your name? Hello? 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 Yes. Oh, hi. Yes, it's you. It's you. What is your first name? Kevin. Okay, Kevin, what's up? Okay, so I was, I was actually going to see if uh, your guest would uh, discuss symbolism at all. Well, I don't know. He's not here yet. Oh, he's not? No. Okay. Haven't you been listening? Pardon me? Haven't you been listening? Well, you usually tell us to turn off the radio. Just, so I guess well. I turned it off too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, well, uh, if you have any thoughts on mass consciousness, which is what, what he'll be talking about when he does get here, you're welcome to express them. What do you think? Well, I guess uh, I guess my interest lies in programming and symbolism. As Pro- we grew up, we're uh, programming, programming and symbolism. Yeah, we're programmed through uh, you know our surroundings and people around us, etc. And uh, I find it interesting that as you get older, your your, your programming exists, and, and we're all programmed uh, sort of together with the same surroundings around us. And that's sort of I find that an interesting interesting uh, topic. And I wonder, well, maybe you could ask your guest about that. I, I will. It is interesting. I yeah, very interesting actually. We are all programmed uh, by our environment, right? By the things that happen to us, by the news that we see every day by the shared experiences we have, and this is, uh, has a fascinating impact on a society. I mean, potentially, think about it a little bit. In the old days, before mass communications, uh, we were still all shaped by our environment. But the difference uh, then, uh, now is that uh, our environment is so connected that we're all influenced by exactly the same things. We watch CNN or CNN International. We have the Internet where ideas are spread at the speed of light. We have so much interconnectivity uh, that um, our environment is so similar that, I don't know, how do you think that's affecting us? Do you think it actually might slow the process of evolution? For example, there are many who maintain that the process of evolution itself occurs because of large dramatic, traumatic events like rocks falling from the heavens, you know, and wiping out the dinosaurs and allowing man to come forth. That's what creates the leaps in evolution. Well, do you get those kinds of leaps when you have a homogenized world in touch with itself? I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, now now you're on the air. Hello. Yes, I may. Yes, Yes, sir. In Santa Maria, California. And your first name? Steve. Steve, okay. Long-time listeners, first time I called, obviously. Well, thank you. Um, For not abusing the first-time caller line. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Two things that kind of blend into one. Weapons of mass destruction. Yes. And the thing about uh, all the hoopla about can we afford to go to Mars and the moon. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe if we short... find the weapons of mass destruction, we, we can blow ourselves to the moon. That's true. <laughs> and, and my big question, which I hear nobody asking, is where are they? Not did he have them. Oh, no, they are, they are asking that. Well, they're asking both. Uh, did they, were they ever really there in the first place? And secondly, of course, where, where the hell are they? Well, unless he lied to the U.N. in his declaration that he had several are large amounts of, of several different types of anthrax included. They were there, and if we don't find them, then where are they? You're not accusing Saddam Hussein of lying, are you? Well, 
I'd accuse him of almost anything and go to sleep at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, you know, for the first time, the administration seems to be leaning toward suggesting that even they are beginning to believe there may not have been any weapons of mass destruction. There is a new team taking over, and the old team said, uh, they weren't there. No way. Wildcard line, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hello. Um, well, when I when I hear you talking to Richard C. Hoagland or Peter Davin, Richard C. Hoagland about Mars, Peter Davenport about about UFOs and so forth, I always mm-hmm. wonder what the rest of the world is doing or thinking about this. For instance, you know the other the other industrialized nations, for instance. For instance, if if aliens really did crash at Roswell, yeah. uh, or if if in some other way we have we're we're back engineering stuff. Yes. Are the French back engineering stuff too? Are they having symposia and and talking about about UFO UFOs the way we are? Uh, and you know and and the whole question of the militarization of space and and Richard C. Hoagland's theory that 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 perhaps the um, computer um, control of the rover was interfered with, you know, that it was um, the programming was taken over, and and also, you know, possibly Hubble's going to be blinded on purpose, so so nobody will be able to know what's going on. All this stuff. Ah, uh, the great wish... the great conspiracies. No, 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 no. I'm not necessarily saying there are conspiracies, but well, there are. But we should only, but we shouldn't only talk about what the thinking is and what's going on in this country is is what i'm trying to say and i don't know the french the french uh, and you brought them up they're so self-centered they probably would think ufo's if they did land would only land in paris anyway so, <laughs> uh, no that could be i don't you know i don't know what other countries think thank you very much i i think that the chinese are probably we are the you know what they're the reason that we're announcing we're going back to the moon uh, because now we have somebody to race with, right? The Chinese. They've said they're going to send men to the moon. So now we're in a race again. Sort of. Go back to the moon. Can't let China beat us to the moon, even though we've already gone, according to the larger percentage of you out there anyway. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Happy New Year, Art. And to you, sir. This is David from Bryan, Texas. All right. Welcome. And um, I had a couple of things. One was had to do with the uh, possible artifacts on Mars. Uh, okay. And I think that uh, there's a possibility that during Noah's flood, Mars was the planet that brought the ice to the Earth and almost hit it. And the oceans may have touched it, and the superior people of Noah's day had their own boats trying to survive the flood. Yeah. And uh, that may be the artifacts at the top of the seas that touched Mars. That were left behind. Well, you know, you really can't rule anything out. I mean, uh, we could be Martians. Well, I was thinking on the order of a uh, hundred mile tidal wave, you know, hundred mile high, mm-hmm. reaching like a teardrop toward Mars, the way mm-hmm. the moon pulls the tides. Hmm. If Mars came within about a hundred miles of the Earth, any ice on its surface would have been lost to the Earth. Well, all these millions of years ago, we, we, we really have no way of knowing what happened, do we? We know a couple of things, or we think we know a couple of things. One, that there is water on Mars now, probably subterranean. 
As a matter of fact, they found a Mars rock, I'll tell you about that tomorrow, here on Earth, that would seem to suggest also that indeed there was, and you know, there's minerals affected in a certain way by water, and they found that in a rock that they know somehow is from Mars. Now, don't ask me how they know the, the rock is from Mars, but... So we, we, we think we know there was water there and there was air there. There's every probability with water and air that you might have life all those millions of years ago. And then the imagination, of course, goes to work. And we know that Mars got ruined. They lost what atmosphere they had. They lost the surface water. And there was some sort of catastrophic event. Could we be Martians? Yeah, could be. Buster the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hey, I heard. Hi. What yeah, is what? Are, what is your way of pizza sauce recipe that comes back a thousandfold or not? <laughs> I don't know. Could be a blessing or a curse karmically, huh? <laughs> yeah, you never know. Sure would like to hear it though. I know. I know. Yeah, I heard a weird thing. I talked to a to a technician from a vet lab yesterday. I had to put my singing Schnauzer Max asleep about a couple of weeks ago, and someone oh, ended up with his caller, and the phone number was there, and I ended up hooking up with his technician, and uh, she said that uh, they had their first case of, case of a cat getting a heartworm. heartworm. More interesting than that was she said that there was a human case of heartworm. Heartworm in a human? Yeah, I've never, ever heard of that, and it supposedly fails. So you were talking about early diseases earlier, Yeah. I thought. Yeah, species jumpers. Right? Yeah, apparently that fits the, if it's true, but I don't understand why the hell she would make it up. Anyway, uh, I thought maybe for an open line thing might be interesting. Uh, George laughed at me, but I was saying I've been seeing insects that uh, are mutated, you know. I mean, I've been catching them and, and so forth. And uh, another guy that's a teacher found some up here in Northern California, too, and he saw the same thing I saw, four-legged earwigs and eight-legged insects with head, thorax, and abdomen. Insects with eight legs. Anyway, I'd like to say hi to my old Dutch sailing friend, Big Al, too, and uh, I'll right. listen to you off the air. We'll Thanks. hold that at uh, Big Al there. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mutated insects, huh? Well, that would be a very bad sign. Very bad. Mutated insects, worms. Who wants to hear about a worm? Can you imagine having a worm in your heart, sitting down in front of your doctor? I'm sorry, son. We just did an MRI, and there's a worm in there. <laughs> First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, I'm... Hello. 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 Oh. Shall we dance? Huh? You're on the air. Oh, okay. Oh, um, yes. But, um, um, yes? I'm like a kid, you know, and I have a lot of stuff to ask you. You what? You have a lot to ask me? I'm a, I'm a kid. Yes. I have some questions to ask you. Okay, fire away. Okay, the first, who was God before God? Who was God before... You are a kid, aren't you? Yep. Who was God before God? Um, adults are asked these kinds of questions all the time. And uh, go out and play. You know, of, of course, I have no way of answering such a question. I honestly don't. Sorry, there there is no quip I can give you or a little tiny bit of wisdom that would satisfy you. I don't know. Okay. And no, but nobody knows. Okay, and um, do you know those shadow people? The, the shadow people, yes. Okay. 
Well, when I'm downstairs playing my game, nobody else is home. Um, I'm, like, looking at, like, my dresser, and I see, like, those shadows walk by, but nobody else is home. Is that one? Is that a shadow person? Yeah, in all likelihood it is. Shadow people are something that uh, came up during my last year of full employment here. And the, whatever they are, they're real. Uh, these are beings that you see usually just in your peripheral vision, you know, just off in the corner of your vision, and they sort of flit by. Well, more and more people began seeing them not only in peripheral vision, but straight on. And we just started calling them shadow people for lack of a better name because they appear like a shadow just here and gone, but definitely here. And that's the point. Here for a moment, here in some undetectable way, it is something. I, I don't know what, but it, it is something. Wildcard Line, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, hi, Art. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, I'll try and be brief. Okay. Uh, this past summer... I believe I was buzzed by one of those uh, insect-sized surveillance planes that the government has been developing. In, and the reason I in, think this insect, is because, how small? Uh, how small? Uh, it was about ten feet away from me, so I would guess it was about. Uh, it looked kind of like a dragonfly, but it wasn't a dragonfly. It had a body that maybe about. So you think our government is building surveillance craft inside what would appear to be a big bug? I've I've read some articles about. Things like that, that, yeah, they're developing that to use uh, supposedly against our enemies. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty neat. <laughs> but I have a garden, and I see all kinds of bugs and birds and things, and it's like nothing I've, I've seen before. And it was too big to be a dragonfly, but that's probably what it most closely resembled. And I wanted to call in a couple of weeks ago when you had... You really, think it was a, you really think it was a government bug? I, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I could have misinterpreted what it was, but it didn't look natural. It didn't sound natural. It made a, it had a very mechanical kind of sound to it. It didn't sound like a, a bug buzzing. That's way cool. And I wanted to talk. I wanted to call in a few weeks ago when you had the robotics guy on, but I didn't have a chance. And so maybe the next time you have somebody who has expertise in that field, you I can ask guarantee him. you, I will ask. All right, I appreciate it. All right, take care. That's a what a concept. The government making bugs, innocent little or not so little bugs, like a drag, something about the size of a dragonfly to spy on Americans or our enemies. <laughs> East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hey, Art. It's hey. Jerry from Knoxville, Tennessee. Yes, sir. Hey, man. Uh, about five years ago, you played a, a show from this guy, Dr. Reed. Oh, yes, uh, Dr. Reed and his dog. His dog, yeah, the dog that got turned inside out by the aliens. Yes. Hey, if you ever go on vacation or something, you know. Would I going, play that program again? And that was one of the best shows you ever did. I've been listening for about ten years, and I played that for some of the guys that I work with, and you know, they just couldn't believe it. You know. Well, um, after like we that. did that program, uh, there were many, 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 uh, internet investigations, and there are those who claim that they found uh, Dr. Reed or one of his associates that it was uh, all bogus. But, you know, I had him on several times. And his story always remained consistent. And, of course, he had photographs. And it was, it remains, uh, to me, an intriguing story. And I don't know that it's all been busted as some sort of myth or put on or any of the rest of it. But I know there have been uh, investigations. Uh, a very, very interesting story. 
West of the Rockies, you are on the air. Hello. 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 Yes, hello. Hey, Art, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Turn your radio off and... and it's and, off. All it's right. Off. Very good. You're in a truck, aren't you? Yes, sir, I am. I'm uh, right outside of a place called Los Hills in uh, uh, California here. All right. And uh, it's something I just got to tell you, Art. Uh, I phoned in one time and <clears throat> told it to uh, George. I don't know if he took me serious or not, but... Uh, I heard another guy call in on your show and said something similar, and this has been eating at me away. Uh, one time, it, it's got something to do about different dimensions. Yes. This is serious art now. Yes. One time, I just bought a brand new car back in 88, and uh, I was fumbling with the radio and, uh, and driving at the same time. I was on my way to the store. I just told my wife, baby, I'm going to run to the store. I'll be right back. Okay, now, while I was fumbling with that radio, I made a mistake and I ran the red light. And the car coming the opposite way yes. passed right through me. Well, and believe I, me when I tell you, uh, I've heard this from not just you, but many people. Exactly the same thing. And the only thing that I can offer up to you is... Maybe there is cosmic, some kind of cosmic um, reason for everything, and it wasn't your time. Yeah, but it's, a, it's something else to this here. Let me tell you what happened later. Very quickly. Okay, very quickly. Okay, uh, so I went on, and I never told nobody until I talked with Georgia about it uh, about five months ago. Yes. Okay, now, uh, back then, uh, before I, I, that car passed through me, it was a guy that I knew that had gotten killed. And uh, I just saw last week, this guy in the paper in the obituary saying that he had just died. And I know this guy got killed back in 88. Uh, I, I know I remember it vividly. So I, I was thinking of some kind of way, I must have got knocked into another time uh, time zone or yeah. I mean, another dimension. Or yeah, I, I, I've got the picture. Well, that, that goes along with, like, the Nelson Mandela stuff. And as far as the car passing through you, buddy, it just wasn't your time. That's about all I can offer up. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. <laughs>